0: Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to the Silmarillion Film Project. This is session three of season seven, uh, as we continue to lay the foundation for another fun season of the Silmarillion Film Project. Uh, I am Corey Olson, the Tolkien Professor, joined by Nick and Marie from our writer's room. Dave Kell will be joining us later on. Um, and uh, we have, so we've, we've talked about, we began by looking ahead down the road, looking at sort of the, uh, uh, sort of gauging the scope of things and more or less uh, plotting out how we're going to get to the War of Wrath from here in the next six seasons. And uh, then last time we talked about the scope of season seven and what we were going to be covering and how we were going to be handling that. But we left out... An important element involving two major characters, and that is what's going on east of the Blue Mountains, um, which is most likely going to involve both Sauron and Galadriel. Um, With Galadriel, it's time to start bringing her back in. We had, you know, so the obviously one of the really fun things in adapting the story of the Silmarillion is doing. frankly, a more thorough job of integrating Goadriel into the first stage than Tolkien ever really got around to doing, you know, other than in some sketches and projections. Of course, what Christopher included in the Silmarillion were a few notes that Tolkien wrote, but again, he never really actually wrote out full versions of Goadriel's you know, the First age with Galadriel, uh, sort of stories. So we had a lot of fun with this. Galadriel, of course, was one of our primary characters in our season four, when we were looking at basically the aftermath of the arrival in, um, you know, the the aftermath of the um, of the Kinsling and the crossing of the Helcaraxa. And this was this is the first full season back in Beleriand, um, and we had uh, we are not going to, well, we are going to brag, that we, of course, uh, came up with PTSD Galadriel first, uh, and that was the primary story of our Galadriel in season four, as she was trying to deal with her own, uh, both her own grief and her own sense of guilt uh, from the Kinslang, going all the way back to the Kinslang. And, of course, this also resulted in her... um, uh, Romance with, uh, Caliborn. Um, and, uh, we, we answered the question, what does Galadriel see in that guy? Um, with the answer, he was the one who understood her best and listened to her and helped her in her, uh, in her time. Like he was the one who helped her to, to sort of get through that. Um, and they, you know, and so they, they, they get married. The marriage of, uh, Gladriel and Caliborn, uh, was the culminating episode of season four. That means we've had two seasons, uh, two very Galadriel light seasons, uh, as Galadriel and Celeborn have been more or less on their honeymoon uh, for um, uh, for 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 some time. Um, so we've uh, we had them out in the east, uh, the eastern part that is of Beleriand, um, b- brokering relationships with the Estolads. Uh, from um, from uh, uh, from the with with the with the uh, uh, unfriendship of the uh, elves of Assyria and, uh, and such, uh, so she was involved in that story. We of course brought her in. Um, She had been a friend of Luthien. Um, We had her and Luthien becoming friends in season four. Um, And so she comes back uh, to attend Luthien's wedding. Um, So she did come back again in season six. But it's really been not quite cameos, but pretty minor appearances from Galadriel. And we definitely have been feeling that it is time for Galadriel to... Really, return and for us to kind of take up the thread of her story again and decide what comes because now we come to the great frontier, right? The bit of the story we did of her is how does she sort of settle in? Where is she? You know, how is she at the start of the uh, uh, of the of the coming into Belarian, which is tricky, um, and it, what was particularly tricky about it is that. One of the bits that does make it into the published Silmarillion, that Christopher did include in the published Silmarillion, is that she is one of the Noldor whose heart is burning to build realms of her own. And yet, of course, very notably, there is no realm of Galadriel in, of Beleriand and its realms, right? So, um, we need, again, as really a result of Tolkien's... Uh, not sufficiently getting a chance to, ret- you know, fully retcon and tell the story of Galadriel in the First Age. Um, so we we that was one of the things we were doing in season four, starting off with her being uh, sort of politically aggressive and putting herself forward. And how and why does she end up not ruling a realm? Uh, uh, in fact, um, and ending up basically hanging out with Melian for a while instead in, uh, uh, in, in Doriath. So, um, having gotten her through that initial thing, now we're, we need to begin, we need to begin Goadriel down the road that is going to end up with her, um, ultimately ruling Lothlorien, but, um, which is going to place her for the role she's going to play in the second age, essentially. Um, uh, we are told that she crosses the mountains before the fall of Gondolin and Nargothrond. Um, and so where does she go and what's she doing uh, when she's over there? Um, what is the beginning of that story? And so that's what we're going to be. We're, so that it, it, it is time to start thinking about that. And also, of course, it's also time to do another really fun Filling in a hole, which is what happens to Sauron after he flees from Luthian and Huon and totally drops out of the Silmarillion narrative uh, for the entire rest of the First Age. Um, now, of course, he's still around, makes some notable appearances in the Second Age, still, obviously, from the very, very start, um, you know, the, the, uh, from the, the story of his uh, brief repentance. Quasi repentance, whatever exactly, however we want to handle that element, um, but between that moment when we're told that he repented with some degree of sincerity or other um, at the very beginning of the second age or the end, very end of the first age, we don't know anything about what he's been, what he does from the fall of uh, of, of uh, Toland Gaurhoth until then. So we have that space. To fill in here as well. And of course, the chief reason why we saved this and didn't talk about it last time is that these two characters, Sauron and Galadriel, are our two longest running characters. Um, Sauron was first because we got him in season one and two as well as season three and four, right? Um, Sauron is the one character who is going to tie the entire scope, even if we go all the way you know, to the Grey Havens at the end of the Lord of the Rings story. Sauron will be tying the entire story of the first, second, and third ages all together. Um, He is our, he is our stealth, you know, protagonist of the entire show, or antagonist, of course, but still, you know, our our, our sort of central, um, you know, unifying character uh, of the entire show. So we need to be thinking really carefully about how this moment fits into his overall big-scale trajectory. And what exactly he's doing, and similarly with Galadriel. Galadriel is one of our um, one of our longest running characters, and she her, she we have to pace them both very um, um, uh, very carefully um, in, in here in the First Age and beyond. Um, and of course, the sort of third thing which we'll be talking about in the course of doing this is. What is happening out east, right? The Easterlings come across the mountains into Beleriand, but like where they, there's a, from a Beleriandic perspective, there's a lot that's east uh, from, from there. There's a, there's a whole lot of east going on. So um, uh, what, um, what exactly does that mean? Um, Who are they? Um, What are the, um, and most importantly, Thinking from a second and third age perspective, what, who are these people? You know, how do we get from um, thinking from the third age backwards, right? Um, what relation are the people groups that we that we see in the third age? What relation are they to these people that we're going to be meeting and exploring here in the uh, in the first age? So those are the things we're going to that was a long description of our topic uh <laughs> for today um but um um a uh uh but there's a there's a there's a, a lot of big picture set up uh pausing briefly for our announcements bunch of moods coming up and oh man like this is just fall and winter um the spring there are like five more moots that might happen between this and May, actually. Um, uh, really, really fun stuff. And then a big new moot that might happen uh, in September next year. So um, really, really cool things uh, happening. We've got uh, starting with New England moot in two days uh, here on October 21st in Derry, New Hampshire. Um uh, we have folks uh, coming in uh, to town here. It's always uh, fun for me having this moot, which is the one that's right near my house. Uh, well, okay, not very near my house—about 25 minutes from my house—but still uh, much nicer than, uh, much closer than most of them. Uh, so uh, it's uh, it'll be great um, to go to New England Moot. Um, uh, yeah, we're one of the things we're doing at New England Moot, which is really cool. We're doing a um, a a live. Clue mystery game at New England Moot, and I get to be the corpse. Uh, so anyway, it's gonna be it's gonna be great fun. Um, bring so a,
1: bring a sleeping bag or a mat or something.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, um, yeah. So okay, so um, yeah, so that that's in that's in Derry, New Hampshire. Uh, Mountain Moot is a couple weeks uh, a, a couple weeks down the road in Denver, Colorado, in on November fourth. Then in December, down to New Orleans for Bayou Moot. Oz Moot in Sydney, Australia in January. And Sunshine Moot in February. And then we're going to be in Southern California. We're going to be in England. We're going to be in Texas. Um, we may be up in Canada, in Alberta. Uh, there are all kinds of things that are uh, uh, jostling for position here in the spring, uh, which we're about ready. And a couple in the fall, as I say. So um, uh, anyway yeah um uh that's um that's gonna be that's it's gonna be awesome so um but let's get back to so one of the things that we want to think about here is geography and uh we, we've got a couple versions of maps that fans have made to try to stitch together Beleriand and eriador and the rest in and Ruvanian, right? the, how, how would it all geographically sort of fit together? Um, and it's uh, it's sort of tricky. Um, this one is fun. So I think the biggest problem is sort of seeing where the coastline is going to be. Um, I think that. I'm not sure I, I agree with where Lind, Harlinden is down here, way at the bottom of these Blue Mountains. I think it's got to be further north, but um, uh, if we... There's, there's another one. Hang on. Let me get the other one. Okay, so here's... Uh, this is a, a nice, pretty one uh, from uh, Reddit. This is made by uh, James Noipa, and um, the interesting thing here, of course, is that the Grey Havens are basically landlocked, um, in the first age, right? Because the coast is going to be cutting in, right here near Nogrod, essentially, uh, where where they have Nogrod. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Um, so the Shire is. So this means one of the interesting things is if you kind of look across this to look at like what is at the same sort of latitude, right? So you have basically Nargothrond. And the Shire are basically at the same at the at the same latitude, right? Um, you've got Hithlam and Forakel basically at the same latitude, which uh, and Erebor, not too much further south, frankly, uh, from that as well. Um, there's there are a lot of things. Mount Gundabad way up. Way up in the north. Mount Gundabad at basically the same uh the same latitude as Thangarodrim, essentially.
1: Um anyway, it's that, that I have less of a problem with me too. In, in in fact, I get the feeling in the map of the Hobbit, the way that he talks about it, that Mount Gundabad may have actually occupied his imagination as Angband. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As like the former location where all the orcs were and whatnot.
0: Right, right. Yeah. Um it th- does seem to have that basic kind of um uh,
1: in the same way that the friend wheel
0: is thinking. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um there's a mountain fortress in the north, which is like the ultimate home base of all, you know, like the ultimate source and home base of where all the goblins came from. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, anyway, yeah. okay.
2: With, so- yeah. I mean, there's obvious challenges with putting the maps together. The map of Valerian and the map of Middle Earth don't usually, don't have the same scale. Yeah. And... Um, we do know what survives of Beleriand are those those three islands. So there are maps that have the three islands on them, but are they to the same scale that you would think based on where those places were supposed to have been in Beleriand? Like there's, there's choices to be made. And I I think each map maker who is stitching it together is, is, has to make some assumptions. Right. Um, So this is just a suggestion to remind us of what is East of Beleriand without Committing to any particular
1: one day. Affections. One day, one of one of uh, Tolkien's great grandchildren is going to open up a, like a shoebox somewhere and find within it folded up the map of combined Beleriand and uh, and the uh, Lord of the Rings Middle Earth, and it will break the internet.
2: Uh, I'm pretty sure Christopher drew all those maps, so I'm pretty sure he knew about which maps existed.
0: <laughs> well, no, but that's what I. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that. Christopher's great-grandchildren are going to discover a shoebox somewhere (laughs) where he, like, secretly sketched out what his own opinion of Uh, how they stitched together were, but he didn't feel that it was sufficiently, like, you know, uh, justified by the text to release it. And so he never published it or let on that it existed, but he totally did it in secret. Like, that 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 I could believe.
2: Okay, Um, okay. So, yes, should that aversion arise, then we'll use that one. Yes. But uh, in the meantime... Have some pretty pictures. <laughs> so, wh-
0: let's just think for a second about kind of what this means for our story. Because, on the one hand, realistically speaking, um, the 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 Easterlings who are going to cross the mountains are going to be gathering here in Lothlan, north of Himring, right? So, yes. we're talking about them crossing over either in Thargellion and going north to Lothlan, or from Forochel across to Anfalguith and coming down, right? One of those, two, like, they're somewhere around up here, north or south of Lake Hellevorn is where, they're, is where they're crossing over,
1: right? And which one of those really would be telling a huge piece of the story? Because there's no way they go, a, a group of people that large goes up in the Forochel unless they have no other choice.
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, or has or they're
1: pursuing the devil who stole their shiny gems or something like that. That's, the
0: yeah, that's another thing that brings people into the frozen north, you're suggesting? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, it has been known to happen. Um,
2: it's more likely than you'd think.
0: <laughs> exactly. Right. It comes up more often than one might expect. Um, well,
1: I, I figured I'd cut that one off because, I, I, like, as I was saying, it was like, somebody's going to bring up
0: the Hellcorexa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. No, exactly. I mean, that's, that's, um, so. But exactly. There has to be a story as to why you cross the Hellcorexa, just like you would presume there would be a story as to why a large group of people would. Go to Forage yeah. For instance, whereas uh, the story about why a large group of people settles in such a way that there is a warlord at Bree that you requested last time, Heck and yeah. that group decides to migrate over the mountains, that is a different type of story.
1: Yeah, I am. I I am all in on the Warlord of Bree story. Yeah. By the way, I have I, I have think... some really big.
0: Oh, yeah. I think there's like a con of Brie who yes. is going to go and he's going to but then he's going to die in the uh, you know, it, it, he's going to be like, um, you know, Olfang or something. Um, and then, you know, they, they, anyway, it, it, it's going to be awesome. Um, no, it's, it's like the reason, of course, I was talking last <laughs> time about wanting there to be, a, you know, like Brie to be the capital of like a, 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 a an empire, a, a warrior empire is that we know that the Brelanders have been there forever, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. that
0: kind of immediately suggests the idea that, like, those villages in the form in which we met them have been there in that form for, like, 10,000 years, right? Mm -hmm. But that's super unusual. (laughs) That that almost never happens. When you have a place like that where people live in one spot for 10,000, and that happens, (laughs) but usually there is, like, a very dynamic, you know, history um, of the ebbing and flowing of events, Uh, and it Mm -hmm. seems to me not only, frankly, more likely, but also more fun uh to think that the you know yes the Brelanders are still there where they have been um but like back in the day <laughs> they used to be they used to be you know the uh think about
1: the ancestors of Bar- barleyman butterbur being like these great <laughs> horse archers of the east <laughs>
0: exactly i don't know why i'm thinking of the mongols but i kind of am and i mean that it doesn't exactly fit i mean with like the whole horse culture and thing i'm not, I'm not trying to lean into that parallel too too closely but again yeah. just the idea of brie having been once a uh a, 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 a
1: thriving metropolis
0: yeah or like a you know, savage warrior, you know, uh, uh, oh man, like, come on. It's a, awesome.
2: A very different culture than what we meet. Very different on. culture what than saying. what we meet. Okay. And
0: because we're still talking about, you know, the about get- about
1: you the greenway has an ancient road under it that predates the, uh, yeah. the Numenorian uh, yeah. colonization.
0: Absolutely. And, um, Like Uh,
1: everything about it screams that there's an archeological gold mine underneath there.
0: I think so. I think so. Mm. Um, But yes, I mean, again, thinking about this, thinking about the, uh, the, the, the the chronological gap between the Brie of the first age right here and the Brie uh, that, you know, Frodo and company stay in. I mean, it's like, longer. It's like between us and, Mes- and like Mesopotamia, like us and Gilgamesh yeah. basically. It's yeah. Yeah,
2: 7,000 years we're talking. Yeah, so, it's an yeah.
0: enormously long time.
2: So basically if we were going to look at this from the point of view of like what would Tolkien do with this it'd be, okay, so Bree. Is the modern name in the third age, but clearly there was an ancient name that was much longer that has been eroded down to the term exactly. Brie. So Brie. we've got to figure out what it used to be called. That is in the exactly real name. what I'm thinking. Yeah, Brie yes. even sounds okay.
0: like the stub of a name, doesn't it? Right. <laughs> really does. Really so, does. Yeah. Um. So, but one of the reasons that this becomes important and that the the maps here. Really helped to emphasize this, right? Is that the land on the other side of the Blue Mountains is not just Eriador, it's Northern Eriador. I mean, mm. so you know, uh, the Arnor, Forochel, Arnor, and the Shire are the primary lands right there. Like that's they're all passing through the Shire uh, on the. I mean, uh, I mean again, if you look at where. Um, the, you know, Bayor's well, the gray people. The Great Heaven's crossover,
2: yeah. Land, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. It's, yeah.
1: it's important to remember, however, that a lot of this is probably still covered in the old forest, which extends all the way down to Fangorn at right. this period.
0: Right. Can so. we show squirrels leaping from tree to tree? This has to happen, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have to have some cameos, some squirrel cameos, right? Uh, squirrel runs happening to show that it's still possible. Um, but um, uh, anyway, so, so we'll, we'll, um, uh, we'll, we'll see. But anyway, the point is we have to be thinking about the cultures and peoples of northern Eriador, of the very fami- of the Breelands and the Shire and, um, you know, around Lake Evendim and uh, up into mm-hmm. um which means we need to think backwards from way backwards again, seven thousand years backwards, uh, from the the people of Forochel that you know we meet in the in Appendix A, from the Brelanders that we meet in the Lord of the Rings. Um, uh, obviously, you know we know the uh, you know Arnor and the Dúnedain, you know sort of how that goes back, but um, um, but yeah, it's really. I mean, we can be thinking also about things like um, the Dunlendings, right? The Hillmen of Rudauer. Um, there are clearly some other um, human groups, non Numenorean, right? Non Idine human groups. Um, need and needless to say, there will be there could be any number of cultures that don't survive into the Third Age, right? Um, but um, Anyway, so there's there's a lot to think about here. This is going to come up in the context of thinking through Sauron's story and Galadriel's mm. story. Um, but we really do need to kind of think about these things. Because one of the things that um, I know has happened to me many times in reading The Silmarillion. Silmarillion starts talking about Easterlings, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, my brain already has a, a shelf that things people labeled Easterlings fit on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but
1: these are not your grandfather's Easterlings. Or rather, these are your grandfather's Easterlings. Easterlings. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. So, I mean, there's this kind of, like, if I don't force myself to stop and think about it, there's this kind of slippage in my brain where, like, the map sort of folds itself in my head and juxtaposes Rune and Beleriand, right? As if people are coming straight from, as if the, the but, but when in Beleriand, when in the first age, we say Easterlings, we mean potentially Brelanders because they're the ones who are on the other side of the mountain, right? And again, I'm not saying all of the, you know, that Bor and and, and Olfang are Brelanders necessarily, but um, but that's what we're talking about. So So, again, clearly we need to figure out who the brelanders are sorry who the easterlings are exactly yeah um yeah. Uh,
2: and it, <clears throat> yeah. they can be different groups yep. i mean this is a large group of people we're talking about so there's no need to make it one monolithic group or even mm. two like yeah. it could be a pretty involved situation that mm. we're only seeing parts of yeah
1: well the lands were inhabited at the time of the second age when the um when during uh when Arnor came into existence because they were somebody for them to be ruling over they didn't populate that entire vast countryside with you know, with Numenorean refugees those people you know they had right somebody, they only had so many ships that came from Numenor, right <laughs> and in right. the last moment
2: there yes, yes. Right.
1: <laughs> somebody's tilling those fields right right um
0: and even if there were a bunch of Numenorian shiploads that had come over in the years before and so you know um Elendil and company are just the last boatloads, you know, to come. Still, there's going to be, there's going to, as we know, we, we, we know for certain in Gondor, right. There were lots of other native populations that merged with the, uh, you know, and that that becomes a major plot line in all versions of the story that Tolkien is thinking of. So yes, presumably in Arnor, absolutely still true. Mm. Yeah.
1: And we, and we kind of, touched on this a lot during the discussion of the frame for season five also um, because we have <clears throat> the lay you know you start peeling back the layers of like for example who um, whose barrows do the barrow whites inhabit I, is that explicitly discussed at some point? they, they did, did they, is don't it they Cardolan?
0: predate Ar- Arnor though it's got to have, I mean, there on the one hand, yes, there are, we're told that like the people of Cardolan buried their dead there. Um, uh-huh. and okay. had their fortress there in the Barrow Downs as well. Um, but I cannot imagine that the barrows and the Barrow Downs only date from the period of Arnor. I mean, I, I think they have to have been, um, I'm totally, I I'm totally on Lotro's side on this one. Um, I've done lots of uh, in-game archaeology in uh, mm-hmm. in the Barrow Downs there, um, and I love how they have evidence of like the Arnorian period overlaid on top of clearly very very ancient, you know, burial yeah. grounds there. Yeah. Uh, and I, I that almost has to be true, uh, I think.
1: Okay, so assuming that that's true, then we're in that period now. Yeah. So wh- whoever these people are, these are the original barrow builders.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um,
1: yes. So why why do people why do cultures build barrows? Is it a, a stab at eternity because the people after you remember you um in the in the way that the period the pyramids are kind
0: of that yeah though the the thing that's particularly interesting to me about the Barrow downs is the geography right um
3: mm-hmm.
0: or the topography perhaps would be more accurate like that they're like okay we're gonna build barrows to bury we're not just gonna build barrows to bury our dead right we're going to build barrow's to bury our dead up there on those huge hills that are right near town right so we've got our comparatively low-lying town and then there are these downs which are like really really steep flat-topped hills um, yeah. which begin you know pretty close outside of town um, and therefore would be a hugely prominent element of the local landscape and so it 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 kind of is a big deal. It's kind of a big statement for them to say, no, no, no. Up on top of those of those hills, that's where the barrows are. Gonna... We're not going to build our town up there, right? Which we could do, um, which would have a, this, you know, commanding presence over the whole region. No, no, no. We're going to build the tombs of the dead up on top of those hills. And that does suggest something, I think, about the culture. I, I
1: mean, mean it... it kind of suggests something pyramid-like, honestly. Yes, like
2: it's... yes. Right. So you can look at it as the building a monument to be remembered after you're gone type that, of thing. It is literally but, the
0: exaltation of the dead. I mean, right. putting the dead up. But on then
2: the other idea is what does that tell you about the culture's beliefs as to what happens to people who have died? Mm-hmm. Are they sticking around? So do you build them these really big, fancy barrows to be like, still see, we still remember you. Don't hurt us. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, right. is it a fear of the dead is it a respect for the dead is it a celebration of the dead like Mm -hmm. is it a death is meaningless we just pass on from this life to the next life and it's all continuous and who cares like it could be a lot of different things that would all look like let's build a giant thing on top of a hill for the dead
1: well let's let's talk about why so the barrow downs separate that clearly would have even in the time of the old old forest right that would rise above
0: the forest yes yes
1: right yeah and it's possible that the forest does not wrap around them either that 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 would keep the the green boundary yeah right the question is because brie kind of rises up on the, the at the crux of the the roads right the greenway and the great road mm-hmm. uh the king's road well i guess the the greenway was also called the king's road that's, it's that's, the dwarf
0: road the east west road is the dwarf road is well,
1: the what's dwarf what's road right the, the greenway is the king's yeah. road that's right and
2: the dwarf road probably exists in some format already because it's connecting nograd and Belagost to kazadu yep
1: so is, oh, okay okay so, yeah, so the dwarf yeah. road at least yeah because they in wouldn't these, have in this they map. wouldn't have built yeah. that road they wouldn't have built that road if Kazadum did not already if if Khazad-dum and Belagas and Nagorod are not in their prime
0: yeah yeah
1: you know yep. okay yeah so that road exists does it predate human settlement here
0: yeah I mean, because
2: okay. assuming that, that road, yes, the, the crossroad might road, have yeah. been a human thing.
0: I, right. That, that seems the dwarves. Likely. That the dwarves were living in Nagrod, Belagast and Khazad-Dum long before humans migrated seems certain. So the only question would be, were the dwarves traveling between Nagrod and Belagast and Khazad-Dum already? I don't seems see any reason likely. why
2: not. yeah.
0: Okay.
1: So if that's the case, then this human civilization straddles the dwarf road, which means that there's a relation, there has to be some kind of relationship. Now, whether it's an antagonistic one or.
0: It it, it could be kind of Caranthier esque relationship. Yeah. Um, uh, Trade based. Right, trade based. Uh, except and, and like some kind of like agreement whereby like, um, because the the humans are getting something from it, right? Like we will mm. we will maintain this road that goes through the middle of your realm and is very useful to you. And let's face it, way better than your crappy roads, right? Um, yeah, because we're dwarves and yeah, and your confused. road gets
1: overgrown a few thousand years from now. That's exactly. Like, you know, that's exactly. Why, why even have it?
0: Right. By the way, I I'm, I'm theorizing also that there would have been a road from so the, 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 the what is called the Dwarf Road again at least by the way that this map is lining things up looks like it went straight from Nagrod to the you know through to the Misty Mountains um, and then across the Misty Mountains and off towards the Gray Mountains uh, as well. Mm. Um, I'm I'm assuming there was a south road too from Belagost straight over to Khazad-dûm. Um, possibly crossing the Guathlo at Tharbad. Um, A lot of that area, of course, is underwater in the Third Age, so there's a good reason why that road didn't survive, whereas the Northern Dwarf Road, it continues to be used and maintained by dwarves for thousands of years afterwards while the Southern Dwarf Road dies off. But that there would be a road from Belagost, again, crossing in the more or less region of Tharbad, and then straight up to the you know to the west gate of moria uh, mm-hmm. seems very sensible. Um, okay. Yeah. So
1: yeah. so why why build the greenway?
2: Well, that's a numenorian thing later. Yeah, the numenorians
0: but, would build it up, but again, if you're especially if you've got a human kingdom that's based at Bree, right? And yeah. especially if we think about that southeast, a, a southern, a second east west road that connects Belagost and Moria, the Greenway and crosses at Tharbad, the Greenway would connect the two.
2: Breed a Tharbad, yeah. Breed
0: of Tharbad, uh, connecting the two dwarf roads. Um, mm-hmm. So that would give a, you know, like primary travel arteries, right, um, uh, for their
2: kingdom. Mm. And um, from Tharbad, you have a connection. To the the ocean, yeah. The river ro- the river goes right to the sea. Yeah, so
0: from there, yeah.
2: Right. So you can also have a a um, a boat traffic situation. Yep. Through yep. the Yeah.
1: So, because the the big question to me, um, because if if Bree arises solely once the two r- roads exist. That makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. But if the road, if the Greenway was built to service a civilization that was centered, that was already growing mm-hmm. in the in the area, then it becomes a question of why here. Right. Now, of course, if much of every area door is covered in an enormous forest, that kind of helps answer that question. Yeah. Um. Because it's possible the downs. humans are it,
0: the
1: the downside is possible that the humans are terrified of this forest. It makes perfect sense that they would be.
0: It does, okay.
2: um, so there's the downs at the Barrow Downs, but there's mm-hmm. more downs to the north over by Fornost. The north downs, For- yeah, and the For- weather hills. For- right. So Fornost isn't going to exist yet. Right. But if if the kingdom that will become Bree. Is everything from the North Downs to the South Downs
3: Mm -hmm. and
2: the Weather Hills, like that whole area? Yeah. If it's between all those hills and it's in the low-lying part in the middle, like
0: yeah, especially if again, as you say, that has
2: its own cohesion. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. If, as you say, Nick, there is um,
2: uh, a big scary forest.
0: A big scary forest, and the big trees
1: that might eat you.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a known uh, danger, <laughs> right? Um, I mean you don't want to run afoul of uh, of young lad Willow, right? Um, right. Yeah. Who, who may already be going bad, um, but um, but yeah. So yeah. So thinking. All right. Continuing with roads for a second. Mm-hmm. If we have the east-west road from Nogrod. Um, and again, where is it going? It's going... I mean, in the map, it looks like it's going to Rivendell, which, of course, it's not. It's going to the High Pass, right, mm-hmm. over the mountains. It, Rivendell shall eventually be built near that, right? But sure, sure. But it's going to the High Pass um, across then out to, so that we can get out towards the, uh, the Iron Hills and the Grey Mountains out in this region, right? Um, so the dwarves are presumably have something going on over here, or we could just say that the road west of, or sorry, east of Bree doesn't exist yet. Um, But I, again, I I think I don't see any reason to believe um, we can, I mean, we, we need seven fathers of the dwarves, right? Um, So we've accounted for three of them in Moria, Nogrod, and Belagos. There's still four more kicking around. The
1: iron hills might predate the the uh, expulsion from Moria and it may have been, you know, laying empty yes. when Dayan arrived and, and Dane's like, oh, we're perfect, this is right. We just got to clear this out of all the giant rats and you know we're we're right. golden. Are there um,
0: some dwarves out in the Iron Hills slash Arid Mithrin slash Gundabad after Durin left? You know, is that it's is there another dwarf uh, family? Mm-hmm. very possibly, right? In which so, case there'd be a road, right? There'd be a dwarf road so that they could get over there.
1: It's occurring to me how this civilization may have developed. It may be the dwarves' fault. So That's what if, I'm you have, if you have a group of people living nomadic existences along the dwarf road,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and they're probably raiding caravans and making a general nuisance of themselves. So the dwarves come up with this genius idea of 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 civilizing these people to make them kind of dependent on them uh, and in so doing they you know what but of course they don't count on once the fact that these humans settle down now they're going to kind of start taking over everything
0: they might not uh, take them that seriously the right might not right take the humans that seriously yeah
1: yeah and i mean we see this this kind of behavior with the um cuz i mean this may be these people may actually be the ancestors of the um the Holodine. not the ancestors but like the haladine may have splintered off from these people right much much earlier
0: sure sure okay we can think about links back to both to the Edine, ultimately, like where the Edine came from. Um, and
2: then forward in and time. And forward, to... yeah,
0: to, towards the Third Age peoples that we know. But yeah, no, so hang on. I'm, I'm, I'm still looking at the roads here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because Sarnford, right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. If there are the two east-west roads, the... The Nogrod mm-hmm. one, which goes through what will be Bree, crosses over the High Pass and heads up towards the Northern Dwarves, whoever's up there in the Iron Hills, um, uh, you mm-hmm. know, arid uh, 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 Mithrin area. Um, then, and you've got the Southern Belagost Road, lost in the Third Age because mostly underwater, which goes from Belagost across to Tharbad. Uh, crosses the river there and then heads to, straight to Khazad-dûm. That would be the fastest road to Kazad dum The dwarves of Nagrod, they're going to want to get down there too. So, in fact, the road that goes from Tharbad to Sarnford to Mikkel Delving is a very logical cut down that the dwarves of Nogrod would make to come down from the mountains cut and then angle down across, because they've got across the Baranduin and they've got across the Guathlo, right? And for them to mm-hmm. do that at Sarnford and Tharbad makes perfect sense, especially if at Tharbad, their road meets the Belgost road and they can all head straight to Moria from there, right? To the main mm-hmm. entrance yeah. of Moria. Um, in which case, if... So this means then that not only East... So the dwarf roads, the east-west bands of these dwarf roads would make obvious migration routes for humans mm-hmm. coming west, right? Mm-hmm. Especially since presumably they would have been there before any of the humans. But if there is also, if not the straight north-south road that goes straight, you know, the the, the actual, the greenway that goes to, to, to Brie and Fornost, but at least the one that branches off to Sarn Ford, it's also encouraging northerly, uh, migration. In fact, if you think about it, if you're coming, say you're humans who don't particularly feel like crossing the Misty Mountains either at the High Pass or at the Redhorn Gate, but just want to wander your way through the gap of Rohan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and you you would still need to get to Tharbad, but once you got up to the river, now you've got a road, right? You've got mm. a road that heads straight from there and which angles you straight up to the northwest and pushes you directly. I mean, it's like a highway to Beleriand at that point. And yeah. dump you right on the western or the eastern side of the uh, of the Aminluun and uh, ready for you to cross into Thargalion like they do.
3: Right.
1: OK. So what if the Baelians predate any kind of good relationships with the dwarves? OK. Where the the Baelians are kind of afraid of the dwarves a, a little bit. Uh, at least in their cultural memory. Of course, this this kind of messes with the song that's written for them, that we've written for them. Um, but if that's the case, then that explains why they decided to hoof it directly over the mountains right. rather than take the road. This is a, a smaller group, and this is an early set of travelers. I'm also right? thinking,
0: even according to the song that we made, um, the... Uh... The Bayorians are like the most um, teleological of all of these migratory groups, right? They're not just like, hey, let's find new lands in Eriador and settle down. And then after a while, maybe we'll keep going, right? The the Bayorians are looking for the light in the West, right? So right. they're going to keep going West. Um, so with them, it wouldn't just be like, hey, let's migrate this way. It'd be like, hey... We were headed west anyway, and here's a perfectly mm. good road through the scary yeah. forest, right? That stretches yeah. over the thing. That people
1: group may have actually come through this region. Like they don't come from here. They came through here already.
2: Yes. Yeah. Um uh, so yeah, we've we've shown migration into Belarian three times now. Yeah. And It got successively bigger each time, suggesting that the earliest group was the fastest-moving group that was most dedicated to, like, let's just get west as quickly as we can. We're not going to stop and dawdle here. We're now ready to show some fairly large groups that could have done some pretty significant dawdling. Dawdling, exactly. They could have uh, settled down somewhere for a chunk of time. Mm -hmm. The... Motivation to get moving again is going to have to then come from something in Eriador. Like, there's got to be something that convinces it's them, them. Now's the time to go somewhere else. And obviously, if we're making a whole kingdom focused around the area around Bree with these roads and all this trade, they can be getting news from the dwarves about things that are happening mm-hmm. in Valerian. Like, they don't have to be ignorant of what's on the other side of those mountains right. before they make the decision to go. Right.
0: Right. Um, okay. So, I agree. There does need to be something pushing them. Um, and not just pushing, like, when we think about the Easterlings crossing to join in the Near-Nithaeranoid, we're talking about, like, the last step, right? They, they, they had to have been right there on the other side of the mountains mm. to be doing that crossing. In other words, they need to have been being pushed for some time prior to this potentially well
1: maybe because or maybe that has something to do with the other topic that we wanted to talk about which is Sauron is and Galadriel right. because it would be really interesting if there was some play for the two of them to to be involved yes in this
0: yes um yeah agreed I like the idea. So I know I'm kind of bouncing around, but I'm staring at the map. So I'm thinking about geography and we can kind of continue putting together the actual story, but I'm just kind of thinking of like elements. Right. Um, yeah. I like the idea of the kingdom of Brie essentially extending like being the hills. Right. Especially mm-hmm. again, if we think about the, the proto forest, which Elrond is so fond of, of, you know, imagining the squirrels in. Right. Um, The squirrel, the the dominion of squirrels, which the humans would not be having a wide flung kingdom in the in the empire of the squirrels, right? Um, So, but if we imagine that those those forests, um, Elrond said, uh, doesn't say from all the way up north, right? I'm thinking north of the Dwarf Road is where the forests more or less end, right? So that up on the north downs the weather hills um, I mean there's some like the Chetwood is is north of the is north of the road, so I don't mean that like it, it's a sharp line at the road exactly um, though the Chetwood could conceivably be a younger forest as well, but um, we don't get any indication from the description of the Chetwood that it's an ancient forest like the old forest, so it could mm. very well be a young a new growth forest um. Mm-hmm that has grown up in the time of the Brelanders, like, you know, in the last millennium, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, d
1: Curry is requesting a different word for us to use in this context rather than Easterlings, because yes. that's confusing. Holy, been sig- wholly inadequate. Yeah, yeah. There's been a suggestion for old Ereodorians. I don't see any reason to not just say Ereodorians in this context. Right. The question we- is
0: whether there might, wh- whether they're, whether they settle down and become Ariadorians or whether they're just passing through Ariador,
2: essentially. Right.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Well uh, well
2: I mean just passing through is a matter of timelines and perspective. Right. Because right. we're not suggesting that any of these people groups are from Ariador like at all. Right. They are all from Hildorian.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: As were right. all the Edain. Yeah the question is just yeah how long they're going to stay there and they're not going to stay there past 472 of the first age because we need them for the near (laughs) knife exactly well i mean some of them can stay behind we don't need to have the whole group come over but and it's worth enough
0: it's worth noting that hildorian is really really far from yes yes yeah
2: so that's my point they're not from here they've they've migrated a long way to get here so even if they settled here for like an hour, or sorry, a, a century or so, yeah, mm. it's like they just got there, right?
1: Yeah, right. In, in, it would yes. be a
0: pretty swift migration. Yeah.
1: Yes. Um, um, hey, Dave.
0: Hey, Dave. So we're um we're 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 looking at maps and thinking. We're about talking about roads. Roads and Eriador, and um, we haven't even gotten to Sauron and Galadriel hey, yet. Rapid uh, progress.
4: Actually. Yeah,
1: much as as I'm sure you were expecting.
4: Yeah. Yep. I'm surprised you got this far.
0: Yeah. In fact, uh, so, uh, Maria I'm doing even worse than you foreboded, which is instead of spending an hour on slide one, we haven't even gotten to slide one yet.
1: Yeah, which is, I know. Which is this yet. is entirely my fault because I brought up the Greenway. So, it's, yeah, this is on yeah. me.
2: No, I think. No, I I wanted to look at a different map this time for a reason, because if we're going to talk about this area. It was important to have some concept of what, what we're doing. So no, I, I expected to spend a little time on yeah. that. So okay.
0: this is this is really interesting. Okay. Okay. So maybe we should
1: kind of figure out the timeline yes. of of this area in relation to our existing Edine populations. Because yeah. we have the Bayorians that come across. Yep. The Haladine who come across. And then the Estelaters And that's a big deal. Because that's a big group of people. It's a big group of people. And I... Feel like it would be difficult for them to pass through this it, through a, an area that had been settled yep. without disrupting it.
0: Yep. Unless they were people who had settled there and were getting pushed out themselves.
1: Yes, um, it's possible.
0: So we and
1: have... and the area between the downs does make for a good Estelade culture. Um yes. center.
2: Yes. Yeah, because our our idea with the Estelot people is that they were kind of a migratory people right. who had no intention of settling down anywhere. Right. They were interested in an area where they could move their um fields essentially from place to place. So having them cross the mountains was just a blip to them. They were already uh, they were, already we, on we're the just move. migratory. Yeah.
0: They could have been some of the first settlers at Bree, though. Well, okay. Hang yeah. On. So he, here's an important question Are there any relations? Like, um, are the either of the two major, oh, uh, assuming that the East, the, again, that I'm still calling them the Easterlings for the sake of like talking about the people who come over, Born, the people of Bor and Fast, right? Um, so the people of Bor and Old Wait, which one that's, is the dad? That's too clumsy. You, we're not going to
1: be able to like, keep that up.
2: Yeah. Uh, which one's the older one? Give me a second. Because, uh, yeah, yeah Olfang is the one who's the traitor, but that's during the war. So his father that's is the, the real one. Okay, Olfast. Then yeah. it must be. Okay. Yeah. So you've got yeah, the people me...
0: born Olfast. So we've got, at the very least, we have two distinct, like, ethnic groups or, you know, people groups within the the set of people who come across the Blue Mountains, right? Yeah. Which means we're now up to five separate people groups total.
1: Maybe, nope. maybe
2: oh, that's my question. Are they connected? Olfeng is the dead. fast is the son. Who is the traitor? Olfeng okay. is the dead. Okay. And it's Aldor who's the accursed, which is the name Aldor. I actually yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. Okay. <laughs> so yes, yeah. all right.
0: Um, so, so here, so here's one option. One option is I, I, I like the idea that the people of Bayor, they're just they're a whole separate thing. Right. right, they're this like small clan, which they're they're the early adopters, right? They're, and
1: even if this area was already settled, that's no big deal to them. They could they, don't, they a, would just pass a group through. that small could pass through no yep.
0: problem. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, so the people of Are they're all they're they're totally their own thing. The Haladin and the Estalads would definitely be um, people who would be presumably a splintering off from groups. Um, so, I'm imagining for. A moment here that the group of people who become who eventually go to settle at, at Estelad were the original settlers of Brie, of the Bree lands. Right. Okay. So they set up the first like around between the Barrow Downs, Weather Hills, North Downs, South Downs, right? In that area.
2: They had their little migratory. They thing followed going the dwarf
0: on. roads, they got through the forest, they came to the hills and were like, Yeah, this is it. We're gonna settle here. But then after a while A few generations, right? Some of them continue migrating because, as you suggested, they're not like a we're going to settle down and build stone houses and stay here for thousands of years kind of culture anyway. um, So anyway, some of them migrate and become the third kindred of the Adine, right? But some would stay.
1: So what is their relationship, if any, to the Holodeens? is the question, who get there before them. So the Haladeen... Who are a farming... Or are becoming an agricultural... um, Civilization is a strong word, but...
2: I would say that some of the predominant traits of the Haladin, especially when they first arrive in Beleriand, is that they're fiercely independent. They all want their own homesteads. Yeah, And they don't want anyone to mess with them. So if they were existing somewhere in Eriador and another culture moved in and set up shop and started building an empire they yes. would have noped right they out of that play all, play all cross, yeah. yeah they didn't want to be part of somebody's yeah. empire they wanted to have their own little homestead
3: right yes
1: yes they are They're <laughs> They're, they american. were almost explicitly based on the american settlers <laughs> when we introduced them right, exactly. in the in, built, the, in season 5 be-
0: yeah, they build, you know, uh,
1: they build a stockade and everything, right, Like this Boonesboro, the whole nine yards.
2: Yeah, yeah. We'll the point the being, they could be someone who was displaced by yeah. a later group coming in. Yeah, that would fit them, yeah, right? They, if would. they got displaced, they would leave. It would,
1: and so the Estelad culture is existing concurrently so mm-hmm. somebody was bringing this up earlier the the cowmen versus the farmers right yep. uh, can you know the can the cowmen and the farmers be friends right yes uh from oklahoma i think that is that is, is from um, oklahoma
0: yes okay good
1: memory <laughs> so they brought it up um somebody um so they're existing concurrently in the area yeah the so but as that happens they are by the time we meet them in the second age those two groups have been com- the, the these the SLRs have been completely absorbed by then you know because you know the young people keep going into the cities to uh to meet the the nice city girls and then they are never seen again so yeah you know, um they wind up feeding pigs somewhere and you know it's just yeah. terrible um
0: they go into the pool halls and it's all over
2: Yeah, that's that's the gap. What is this going to turn into, Pinocchio?
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, well, I'm just I'm just kind of explaining why that why that that culture winds up homogenizing. Essentially, is is what I'm after there. I see.
0: Theory. Um, Brief theory. The uh, one of the descendants of the Haladeen culture are the Dunlending. Okay. Some go west to find their own place to Mm -hmm. not be bothered. Some go south. Um, And
1: then are eventually displaced by the Rohirrim. And they're real bothered. Which they really can't
0: stand. Which that's like the last straw. Yeah. Exactly, yes. or rather, okay. like yet again, but but that could, because they have—that's what suggested it to me—because they mm-hmm. have a history of being displaced by both more aggressive, more mobile, that is, like you know, horse-based, and um, more, um, uh, more, more, more. Oh, 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 wait, yeah. Look at that! Look at that! Okay, um, the halloween language was related to what eventually became the London language in the second age. Done. Q E D. Um, Okay, so um, so yeah, because I mean, it just it it makes sense that like a a culture whose predominant element is that like they just want to live on their own and not be bothered is always going to be displaced by um, a more like aggressive and more unified. And more warlike culture, um, not just because they're going to fight them off, but even just because they're going to want to like not be neighbors with them. They're going to want they're going to move away, right? At the very, they're going to either be actively displaced or they're going to they're going to move off. Um, so okay, so this would suggest then that the Haladin were they were the first uh, the first to arrive in Eriador. Well, I mean, again, not counting Bayor's be- bad data point. Mm-hmm. right? Um, they're the first ones to arrive in Eriador. Um then the ancestors of the estolads come in right Mm -hmm. and the 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 Haladin get displaced some of them of course go west and cross the mountains and some of them go south and end up in dunland and calinarthen right um and and ended and 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 sort of down there um which again is easy to imagine like scattered people's happily living on their own homesteads and having nobody bother them throughout those lands basically mm-hmm. um sure until the numenorians yeah. show up but anyway um uh okay so then the Estelads come in and they establish Bree. they like build yes. towns they're the, they're the town builders like again the
1: not not the esteladders the 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 proto
0: well i'm thinking like the these these would be the proto esteladders
1: the proto Betrayers are the town builders. The estoladders are living are, are living in the same land.
2: They live in the brie the Bree land. Okay, but they're right. doing their little. We just herd cattle we heard cattle in circles. We heard cattle. you guys are the ones who brought up the cattle. are circling the wagons
0: around Bree. That's what no, we're no. Doing.
2: <laughs> I mean, in estolad, it's, it's migratory, right? You right. you have your field, and then you move to a, a new grazing land later, right? Okay. Yes, okay. yes. So, right. So, and
0: once a
1: year, you meet at the Estelat.
0: Yes. Right. right. So, so these so aren't the, these aren't the proto Brelanders, was... then. Right. These, no. These are like the proto, either the proto Hillman of Rudauer or the proto Forakel
2: folks. I would think.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Let's yeah. Let's say that some went to Estelad and some went to Forakel. Yeah. So, because we're going to displace everybody. If the Haladian got displaced south, these guys need to be right. displaced north. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Just okay. For, so, if just the, for symmetry,
0: right. If the Esteladders, mm-hmm. maybe they made their way because, again, we're all coming from the east, right? Mm-hmm. So, they come in, they make their way north up the Vale of Anduin, right? Mm-hmm. And then they cross on the dwarf road because there's a convenient dwarf road over the mountains, right? The high uh, pass.
4: The right. high
3: pass. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So then they come no down. No
1: goblins th- yet there to...
0: That's right. Goblins aren't mm-hmm. there.
2: Um, uh, uh, so they make their way to Bree. They're like, what a lovely place. We well, they can- make their
0: way. But I don't even think they, they go to Bree. I think they come through and they settle in, in Rudauer and then mm. points north. Oh. Right? Let, okay. let them sure. roam on, like, the plains north of the of the North Downs, essentially. Sure. sure. And then from there, some will end up going west across the mountains and some mm-hmm. will end up going uh uh going north to forico and okay. kind of hang in, in and staying there right
2: and now the group that comes in and founds Bree, founds Bree and makes the brie land the evil that empire. is it could be an evil empire that's an exaggeration I mean, <laughs> it could be a perfectly decent empire of people who get corrupted by sauron
1: empire. the barrow builders yeah, right.
2: the barrow but builder culture the
0: barrow builders in. yes these are people these are builders unlike mm-hmm. the ester ladders and unlike the halideen well the Haladine build on a small scale well, but they're not small yeah. scale yeah. they don't build in stone they don't build and, monuments right and
1: they're not interested yeah. in cities lasting impact on the environment yep. to to prove their 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 um existence immor- not immortality um their importance.
2: Yeah. Yeah, to leave, to leave a mark on the land. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. Look because... on in my works, you mighty end despair. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Look, look... So the the idea yeah. of this group coming in and, and founding Brie, yes. that will be the source of who we want to recruit to come to Beleriand to join yes. the war. Yes. And. Obviously, we're not going to bring everybody over the mountain, so we can leave people in Brie to have roles in the second age. Like they can become peoples, just like the Proto haladine and the Proto Estelad groups are still there. Like yeah. these guys can still be there too. Yes, but yeah. that's I think the moment at which their culture forms is when they build uh, Brie and the Barrow Downs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. Um, I here's what I like about this because so GD Taron is suggesting that we're um, uh, we're defining these people by how they built tombs, but not entirely. The other thing we're there are a couple data points that we have. Right, one is that this was a fixed, like city settlement, township yeah. settlement, which is yeah. going to be permanent and built in stone, and also have um, still relative. I'm gonna say, like the relatively grand, not pyramid grandiose tombs, right? But again, they like made the choice to be like a more abundance. grandiose
1: than I'm gonna get. <laughs>
0: Agreed. Agreed. I mean,
2: fair. But I think the idea here is that Tolkien did have groups that were real into building tombs, tombs for the dead. Yeah, and some of them were the dwarves. Mm. Right, like dwarves do that. And some of them are the Numenorians. Yeah. And the Numenorians got real into it. That's, and they're,
0: they're like next level, yeah.
2: Right. And that right. was considered a, a maybe flag. not a great part of their culture. No, yeah. Exactly. There was something off about the Numenorians yeah. when they got yeah. into that. So we can go both ways with that here. Yeah. It can be a, like, there's something weird about these people. They build these giant tomb things. Or it could be a, hey, this culture of humans actually builds things, unlike the other groups that we've met. Like th- they're forming a civilization that's independent of the elves. Yeah, which the other groups hadn't really done. They were not quite at civilization level when they bumped into the elves, and right. therefore got various degrees of elven influence in yes. how they would form a civilization. Right. And right. even the Haladin who are like, "No, thank you. Please leave us alone." Still got a lot of elven influence. Mm. Yes. yes and
1: i'd say it would be it would be coming on pretty strong to even call the haladeen a civilization um
2: well yeah i mean less so than the other groups because the other groups got more friendly with the elves right <laughs> right. <laughs> right right <laughs> exactly
0: yeah okay so all right so the fourth group that arrives at or passes through eriador um uh, let's just let's just call it is it the people of Bor, the people of, of, of Ulfang. I, so, one thing that we know about the people of Bor is the people of Bor are going to be the ancestors of the Rohirrim.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Tolkien suggests this in the, in the War of the Jewels. Um, mm-hmm. so, we're going to want to think of a through line of the, of the people, the survivors of the people of Bor. Um,
1: Can they have chariots?
0: I think somebody's got to.
1: I mean, like, because it's it's a little weird that we haven't done chariots.
0: Now, like, chariots Um, are not a super useful war machine in forested terrain. Right. Forested, they're not...
1: But where they're at is protected from the forest by the downs.
0: But then again, like, Queen Boudica has chariots, and... Britain is
2: so if you really want one, you can make it work. Yeah. Well, is what yeah, I'm hearing. I
1: mean, the, well, the, the there's Julius, a Julius Caesar talks about having yeah. chariots come out of the woods at them, exactly. So, yeah,
2: yeah. they're yeah.
0: small and adapted for this, but yeah, right, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. No,
2: that's okay. True. So, this group that is going to become the ancestors of the Rohirrim, they're going to look a little bit like the Estelot people, Yeah. they're going to look like. The House of Hador. But the difference mm-hmm. is
0: they're going to unlike the Esteladders, they're gonna settle. Yeah. Right? yeah. They're gonna settle and build cities.
1: Okay. Yes. Build All cities right. and tombs. So Which you you need to you need to kind of have that level in order to have horse husbandry thinking, to the point where you could have chariots.
0: Let's make the let's make the Brewlanders the people of Olfang.
3: Okay. Okay.
0: Because it, it, assuming we're going to have some level of horse culture be the kind of through line between the people of Boar and eventually the Rohirrim, right, um, through the Aouthiad and everything else, right, down the down the road, it would make less sense that the horse culture was the one who is like, let's build cities and tombs of stone. Like yeah. that doesn't seem quite so fitting, right? So, okay.
2: I also would like the. Boar group to be smaller, and the Olfang group to be larger yep. for later um, betrayal purposes. Yep, I think that would be helpful. Agreed. Um, and so,
0: if the people of Olfang are from the like people who established the imperial center at Brie, that makes a lot of sense.
2: Exactly. And if the chariot and the charioteers group is a little bit smaller but has really good horsepower and these unique chariots, yeah. then. It could explain why the elves are like, "Ooh, let's make friends with these guys." Yeah, right? And these
1: these guys can also be kind of operating as the um, auxiliaries to the to the armed forces of this larger mm-hmm. culture. Yep. I mean, the yep. Romans did that all the time.
0: Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. So the 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 Olfang folks could actually routinely hire chariot drivers of mm-hmm. uh, uh, of, yeah.
3: Borg. of Borg. of boar. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, and so they could even suggest them. Like if if Olfang if the if the Olfang Empire right is what's making the they'll be like, hey, actually we know a guy, right? Let's bring in these folks. You would want them, especially. I mean, they would take one look at Enfalgith and be like, oh man, like what you need are some chariots, and we can hook you up,
3: right?
2: Yeah. Okay. So so the people of Olfang is going to be the main group that comes over the mountain for whatever reason. Yeah, and they're going to recruit the House of Bor to come with them. And yeah. then that will... Okay. Okay. I'm yep. all right with that. I think that can work yep. well for our story. Um, yeah. Of course, we now <laughs> need to come to the point of why. Right. No, why? we're getting there. We're getting so why close. okay do <laughs> right. go to Beleriand? So... Aren't they happy in their town that they have built of stone? Exactly. The so sto- the question becomes th- then... Frode. If we have
0: the uh, Olfangian Proto-Brieland Empire, right... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one of two things has happened, right? Either that has been largely displaced and those people are, the people who were living there have been displaced and are now migrating and they end up crossing the mountains in large quantities. Or they, um, there's a split of some kind, right? And some of them stay and some of them leave uh, and head off over the mountains. Or the group that heads out over the mountains is like a, you know, uh, the away team, right? Of the, I mean, like actually, like sent that direction, but you know, under the order, you know, like they're um, the
2: the other possibility, exploratory
0: conquering mission or something.
2: Is that something has gone wrong, and that they mm-hmm. no longer think that the Breland will be a good place to live, and they need to pick up you and know. leave as a group like that explains why so many easterlings come over the mountain if but this is starting whole... to get
0: us towards actually discussing what happens with sauron i feel and that, so, that is something we've been avoiding for an hour i I, I i
1: have i have a thought about that okay okay do you remember what we thought what we all thought was going to turn out to well i'm i don't know about all but what we thought was going to be the big reveal about who Sauron was in Rings of Power—that mm-hmm. he was like a guy working in uh, Celebrimbor's shop. And totally that- is still, by and- the way.
0: I have not. I, I, I haven't changed my mind about that in the slightest <laughs> bit. But go ahead. In spite of the overwhelming. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not saying. Way. I'm not saying the Halbrand reveal isn't true. I'm saying uh, the other is okay. also true. Um, okay, I got That's you. what he was doing before he got on the boat for reasons. But go on.
3: Yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> so, so. Olfast so, o- 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 is the, sun?
4: O- Fast is
2: yes, the yes, son. Olfast o- F- o- is o- the o- Fast son. Olfast is the second son. So Olfang is the father who's going to die before the near yeah. night. The yes. oldest son is Uldor the Accursed. Yeah. Yes. So.
0: And Ulfas is the one who stays
2: true, is he? No. Fast is the second son who also is a who traitor. But true. maybe not like as responsible as his yeah. big brother. So who, the,
1: the traitor's son. gets a son, very
2: specific epithet. Whoever
1: the traitor's son is, he.
2: Uldor <laughs> the Accursed. Uldor yes. the Accursed, yeah.
1: He has a, a best friend that, mm-hmm. um, that helps him maneuver himself into a. Into position to push his father to move yes. to move them into new lands. Just at the time as a an emissary yep. of the elves in the West arrives to ask them to do that very
4: thing. Yes, is his best friend's name Halbrand.
1: His yeah. best friend's name is Halbrand. That's so <laughs> weird. <laughs> right. Right.
2: Um, yeah, the, yeah. So the general yeah, the idea is that Sauron is manipulating the son of the warlord of Bree? Yes. I like it.
1: And so he outmaneuvers Galadriel, therefore driving her towards even more anger and resentment towards him personally.
0: Because Galadriel's overall trajectory was her, her, she arrives in middle earth, all set to be like, I'm going to be a leader. I'm going to have a kingdom. I'm, like, the next big thing, right? And then she has her, like, humbling, um, mm-hmm. you know. Then she
2: meets Melian. <laughs> right,
0: psychiatric experience, right, in in, in 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 Doriath. And then she changes her mind. So her first attempt after this can't be, like, well, let's get back to founding a kingdom, right? But if she, so she tries to do this in a non-imperialistic way. And right. And it doesn't pan out. Right. right. So she is going to emerge from this saying, "You know what I need? Forget it." Like the gloves are coming off. I need a kingdom here for crying
1: No out. more Miss Nice Galadriel.
0: Exactly. No more no more no more Miss Diplomat, right? Uh it's time mm-hmm. to uh it's time to it's time to start ruling, folks, like I mean business. And
1: and if and none of this would have ever happened if she'd only had the foresight to bring
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Celeborn the wise along with her.
2: Uh, right? Mm. Right. Caliborn. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, okay. so All the right. general idea here is that Galadriel is going to seek out human allies in the East because she knows that it's time to do that. <clears throat> and, and she's <throat> gonna try and play diplomat. And she thinks she's doing a really good job of basically what Aradel tried to do back in season. Mm-hmm five of I'm gonna go out, unite all the people, get them together, and then when we fight Morgoth it'll work.
1: Hi Mythrose, I have delivered this immense army into your keeping. Have Aren't fun with I that. awesome? And she
0: right. is very intelligent and very forward thinking. And one of the things that one of the results of the trajectory of her story is that where all of the rest of the elf Captains are focused on uh, Angband, right? They're all oriented on Angband and on their own kingdom. She doesn't have a kingdom, right? But she's out there in the east. She just had this awkward diplomatic experience with the esteladders when they came over, right? Mm-hmm. So Galadriel is the one of the of the elves, like the other else So like Mythros was late to the human party, right? Um, but he's trying. He's interested in making up for lost time. Right, Galadriel, though e- even Mithros the, and all of the other human friends among the elves, right, uh, out in Beleriand, they're still not thinking ahead. Right, mm-hmm. Galadriel is the one who's like, "Has anybody else noticed that these uh, waves of humans keep coming and from keep the bigger. east? Right, and getting bigger." Maybe we should get out in front of this, right? Maybe somebody should head over there and see where is the next wave. When are they coming? And can we maybe get them here sooner and on our side? <laughs> exactly from
1: Wouldn't... from the jump instead of having to like work through several generations
0: of them. Exactly right. Yeah. yeah. So that okay. seems like a very galadriel a very galadriel strategy, right? So okay. she. So crosses. we're gonna
2: we're gonna see, Thinrod and Bayor play out again with Galadriel and um Alfine.
0: Yes.
2: Because cuz he's going to be old and he's going to die before the battle. Yeah. Right. So she's going to have calculated everything and her entire diplomatic investment is going to be in the leader of the people who's not going to last. Okay. And she will have overlooked that she really needed to make sure his oldest son was also on board with her plans. Possibly, mm. I guess it depends. And didn't on...
1: have a best friend named Albrand.
2: Yeah, yeah, that too. But I like, there's de- there's going to be some yeah. generational thing there that yep. she's going to miss up on.
0: Yep, I think that okay. So it depends on how directly we want Goadrio and Sauron to be like in competition here, right? Because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I can see a couple different versions of this. Like, so I could I could imagine there being a people group. Um, or a subgroup of these people that Galadriel makes friends with, and Sauron gets to Ulfang and ulfast instead, right? And Uldur. Um and the, and Galadriel's people just like don't make it, like they, they right. don't even get there. Like so, it's um, so her initiative fails, and instead it's Sauron's people who get up there. But if they were just enemies from the beginning, she would probably warn Mithros about that. So that doesn't right. Seem right. like that works completely right.
1: But, I I think yeah. that they are in fact appearing to be on the same side. Right. Like Sauron is pushing for these people oh, to do exactly what Galadriel's asking them to do.
0: What a burn for Galadriel if her great diplomatic success turns out to be the people who in fact betray the elves and lead to the So basically we're gonna we're gonna send her off in a whole nother tailspin because it's gonna turn out that the whole near ninth Arnoidiad was her fault. That's a well, horrible thing to do to Galadriel. I, yeah. I love mm-hmm. it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I've been saying
1: that we need a backslide for her for yeah. a couple of years now.
2: The yeah. other the other issue is that as written The idiot elf who befriends the betrayer men is Karanthir. And the audience is quite primed to realize if Karanthir is like, oh, my new best friends who flatter me all the time. They're like, dude, they're totally going to betray you. But if we have Galadriel go on a big diplomatic mission and recruit some people, that isn't. We think that's going to work. Yeah. That's not as inevitably a terrible idea. Yeah. So even if she sends them to Karanthir afterwards so that he's, like, coordinating their troop movements or something. Mm-hmm. Which, again, could be like, if we uh, look at the
0: map, they would. Because right. they'd Caranthir's be crossing into right Thargallion and coming up that way. So uh, she sure. would be almost compelled to use Karanthir as a way Right. As well. She'd
2: have to put up with him as a... Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, like... In that context, I feel like the story would be somewhat organically developing and yet still not this inevitable, well, that's a dumb idea. Yes. That's never going to work. Yeah. They're being idiots. Like, I don't want it to be that inevitable from the yeah, beginning. totally. Right.
0: Yeah, totally. That Yeah, Goadrill really does help to avoid that. Um, yeah,
2: although it's obviously going to hurt her badly. So, Celeborn's not involved in this? This is a solo well, trip that she I'm does? I'm wondering about that. Um, yeah, because –
1: well, I've been saying that one of the one of the best ways to get Galadriel into a vulnerable place to have her do some backsliding is to put some distance be- between her and Celebrimbor because he's so like as we've written him, he's such a, a a stabilizing force for her.
2: Okay, so what we need to consider is what is Celeborn's role in the remainder of the history of Doriath? Because right. technically, he was the king's guy. Like, I don't know what his title was, whether he was an ambassador or a chamberlain or whatnot, but he was he was a pretty significant role in Thingol's court. And he got permission to go hang out in Assyrian and have a honeymoon for, you know, a few hundred years. But is he going to go back? Does he have a job there?
0: So their separating makes perfect sense on one level because it's clearly not the time of the children yet because mm-hmm. the wars are still ongoing. Right. Um, so we're totally going to wait until the second age for Calabrian to be born. Um, uh, that makes perfect sense, right? And so mm-hmm. therefore, since they're not, um, you know, escalating their relationship to childbearing yet... Right. Um, it would make perfect sense for them to pursue separate things, especially if... But I agree, Marie, the impulse that you're having, I think, is exactly right. We can't just have yeah. Galadriel be like, stay home, honey, I don't need you. I'm headed off. He has to right. have a thing that he has to do too, right? Uh, he they could both... be
1: helping Thingle navigate this really sticky, similar situation.
0: Yeah, Celeborn could take one look at this and say we have a situation unfolding. I need to stay. And he's going to fail if he's going to think he's going to do any good there because he's not. But yeah, I mean, he's got to see that that's a powder keg. Right. And what he has. So the other, t- so we always had three and a half dudes for Thingle, right. Kelleborn, Mablung, Beleg, and Dairon. Dairon. But he was never like a, yeah, he's a,
2: he was, he was Luthien. friend. Junior. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Mablung and Beleg, of course, are still there, but Mablung and Beleg, like, Mablung is the soldier and Beleg is the scout, right? Um, yeah. Celeborn is the, like, diplomat, politician, mm-hmm. counselor dude, right? Yeah. So it would make all kinds of sense for, for like, so Galadriel says to Celeborn, hey, okay, end of honeymoon in uh, in Osiria and It's time for us to get to work. We need to be, you know, things have fallen apart in Beleriand. We need to take action. What should we do? And she says, she she tells him her whole, like, he, like we, we gotta get out in front of this human migration thing, right? And he's like, I think you're right, honey. That sounds really important. But I'm looking at this Silmaril situation in Doriath, and this looks like it's already at bad and headed straight towards worse. Right. Yeah. So I don't think I can leave Thingol here. Uh, I, I want to see. And of course we have to keep this in mind because in the future of Doriath, we have to have a prominent role for Kelleborn in trying to do some good here in um, the inne- inevitably unfolding situation with the fanorians and such, yeah. which well, he knows like Celeborn knows this is not going to play to Thingol's strengths.
1: <laughs> no, and <laughs> right. G.D. Talion suggests Cal- Celeborn being an ambassador to the Union of Maiaros. Yeah, having Celeborn a- occupying yes Fingles seat at that table makes a lot of sense. A
0: lot of sense. Yes, have him involved. You know, and which is great because then he can he can connect up with Galadriel again. Right. Gladio yeah. comes back and is like, hey, guess what? Recruited a huge bloody army of humans. Right. And he's like, and he's Good like job, that's honey. great
1: because our guys aren't coming.
0: Exactly. Our, our guys. The bad news <laughs> is. Yeah, exactly. So, but no, that's, that's perfect. I agree, because that way we can have Beleg and Mablung as they show up to the battle because they don't want to miss it. Um Celeborn is we have no idea whether Celeborn was there or not. We can put him there. I think that we can make Celeborn be in The battle, even Um, uh, yeah,
1: I don't. I've I've said for a long time that I don't think that there's any reason why Belleg and Mablon can't at least have like a personal entourage with them.
0: I don't think they have to be absolutely Mm -hmm. alone. Yes,
2: right. It's simply that they did not bring the army. The army, right? Right. Yeah, Yeah,
1: like having them bring like a a small squadron of guys with them, like you would while traveling through a dangerous area. Anyway, seems. Right, only prudent. Yeah,
2: yeah. So I mean, if we're gonna give him the diplomat role, we might not put him in the army uh, role. I, I don't mean but, on the front
0: lines, of course. But no, no, no. But, but
2: it, the point is, yeah. we can develop what his storyline is because yeah. it'll
0: be part of the story. It'd be part of the story. Yeah. No, I yeah. agree. And um, and it's interesting. I mean, the um, uh, uh, Chucky Awitka—I uh, I don't know how to pronounce it—on YouTube. Um, That's dola uh, Adola, yeah. Adola was... Thank you. I'll just use the second word. Adola was saying um, uh, you know, there could be sort of some kind of romantic setback between the two of them. I don't know that we have to go that far, but to sh- at the very least, even just showing how it works with elves, right?
2: Like they're at a different they're at a different stage now, a different time. They're different they're a different time but now. And can, the idea of
0: like, okay, we both have our separate callings which we're gonna pursue separately. Um especially remember we just had the they're whole- They're not
2: breaking up. Right, yeah. exactly. But at the same <laughs> yeah.
0: time they're they're not doing the Baron and Luthian where you go, I shall go also thing, which was right. so prominent in the previous season, right?
4: Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're, so they're a lot more career focused. <laughs>
0: they're a lot more career, yes. Exactly. They're they're OK living apart for a while. But no, I mean, just kind of showing how that because it does seem to work that way with elves, right? They'll go off for because centuries. They can in order to
1: always pre- do it, pre- pre- it
4: later. Yeah. Huh? What's a, what's a few hundred later. years? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Clearly I,
0: now is not the time for children anyway. Um, and what? And I I think one
4: thing I like about this, too, is I like the fact that they're we're finding a way to involve them in major events um uh you know uh, i i feel like we're we're setting them up by doing this sort of thing having them even split up and go and be involved in different things really we're setting them up to be like the people that they are in the lord yeah. of the sort of. yeah. like, rings why why would you esteem both of them so much and 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 this this gives you the reason why cuz they're they weren't just like off in a corner doing something they were like moving or they were going about valerian being involved in all the They're moving pieces on the yeah. board of yeah.
1: the world yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yep. And like this that. even begins to show a trajectory which makes Galadriel's compliment of Kelleborn the Wise not sound yes. absurd. Right. Yeah. Because if her reaction to, if her reaction to, so again, just taking this one mini event, right, which again yeah. in their whole trajectory is just one little episode, but um, the Olfang episode, right, the Olfang fiasco for Galadriel, right. Yeah. Her reaction to that is going to be bad. Right. She's going to be like, that's it. I'm like, no more, no more Miss Diplomat. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to rule. But meanwhile, Kelleborn has been watching Thingol's increasingly problematic reign. Mm -hmm. Right. And so Celeborn, the like master diplomat and like wise politician says like, okay, Doriath, uh, you know, he's there watching Doriath fall to pieces around him. And so... So he comes back and he's like, okay, so honey, I've got some constructive ideas about like how we rule a realm properly and not let that happen again. Right. Yeah. Um, so he can always be as he was in season four, this like steadying force yeah. that helps her, you yeah. know, so he that's, will be the, that's moderating the point I was factor. making before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. He, he will be the moderating factor and I, we can see how we're, I, the, so having him be the Doriath, person i think that i think that that perfectly sets this up i like that a lot um no that's cool okay um uh so
1: i i just kind of like the idea of galadriel having an audience in a chamber which occupies the space on which the prancing pony will one day stand
2: Sure, Absolutely. Or, I mean, seriously, Bag End. Y-
1: yeah. Well, I, I mean,
2: we're in that whole area. I the feel
1: hill. like Bag End is under, is, is in the forest, though. Well. It's to the
2: it's west. It's to the, the, it's to the
1: west. Of the, yeah, but.
0: It, it, it doesn't.
1: Well, does the, well. Does the road go right by Bag End? Is, does it literally? Because it might.
0: It goes, in, it goes through Hobbiton.
1: Yeah, yeah, That for sure. I don't know so, if it goes
0: like right in front of Bag End, like right in front of the hill. But Like I think the it's, driveway pulls right it in. It does go
2: along the water.
0: So Yes. Yeah.
2: The point is, we could pick anything in that region and make it a spot. And yeah. then... Raise that set and put a new set on top of it for another scene and be like, same place, you guys. We could
0: have Galadriel plant the party tree.
2: <laughs> no, that would be that would be really come Because cool. think come about that,
1: on. how it gets replaced. From I know C how. Yeah, so, yeah.
2: The only Malorn. Come, on. awesome. come that's on. A pretty awesome. Um, so uh, the the general idea is that we want to get that culture established as its own thing and mm. then bring all of them to Beleriand. Are we going to leave anybody behind in Bree? Um, oh yeah.
0: Well, so Civilians. this is one of the challenges of having it be a subset, having it be an expeditionary force essentially yeah. from mm. Bree is that um <clears throat> it's a huge group of people and mm-hmm. it seems like it's a it's the description and as we were talking about the qu- the quantities that need to be present in order for it to have the impact that we were t- talking about um it feels like a migration rather than an expeditionary military force yeah um that's why i mean
2: eventually yeah. it is the question is whether it is a military force first and then the families come later. I mean...
0: Yeah. Um, well, dramatically speaking, the idea of Galadriel raises an army and brings an army, like that it arrives as an army, not just like a migratory group, Yeah, feels more dramatically effective yes. in the immediate... I- I agree. Build up to the battle.
1: I really don't have a problem with the 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 proto-Breelanders like that occupy the occupying force right. that resides in um in Dorloman. Kind of just taking over there and filling in the spaces left by right. the by the um the uh the men who died in the near night yep and yep. not having brought any of their families with them right mm. or the vast majority no because i think there are a few of the women there at least that are mentioned by there's one that's mentioned by name
0: but um, some of them yeah so but again there would be a whole bunch of camp followers and folks yeah come along with the army i mean it's not just like right but it
2: yeah. okay so it is going to be an army and an not army. a migration that's why right. that's kind of where i was trying to figure yeah. out yeah. and it makes sense we want brie to be continuously inhabited for, for out it, throughout its history exactly. i would think um that
0: means that like whoever is like the god emperor of brie um is uh and i'm, so I'm, I'm experimenting with various enormously grandiose titles because yes. it's it gets funnier every time, in my personal opinion. But anyway, so who, whoever is the God Emperor of Bree has Old to be Old
1: Fang Butterbird. <laughs> has,
0: has, to, has to be. Has to be like there. Has, like he, he's not like depopulating his kingdom in order to send no. his expeditionary force, right? No. So there has to be something like these um, people
1: get demolished by the Numenorean colonization.
0: Yes. Yes, the
1: Numenorians come back and start colonizing this and area, and hauling them and, back
0: to be slaves, in and Numenor. just
1: destro- disrupting and destroying this kingdom. Yeah, they have no shot.
2: Yeah, agreed. Okay. So, the, so we'll so we'll make a second age story out of what happens to the people who stayed in Bree. Yes,
1: yes. yeah, they Fine. get they get
2: okay, and the therefore, Allfang might be the leader of the army, not the king. Yes, yeah, yes, Ooh. and maybe. One can easily
0: imagine a so i'm'm i'm, I'm, I'm uh, thinking i'm again I'm, I'm the god emperor of brie What's with the rationale right the rationale butter boar. the rationale would be um uh <laughs> butter bore
1: oddisha <laughs> emperor of the
0: four corners of the brie lad yes. emperor. <laughs> <laughs> butter pour. that's too good <laughs> oh man okay anyway, sorry all right so anyway the point is um why does like what is his counsel like what do, why does he send cuz it's got to at the very least this has to be a huge portion of his military strength right
1: huge. he knows he's in on it he's in on it he's in on the betrayal the
0: the betrayal. So Olfang
1: doesn't know. Right. Cause he's an honorable dude. He's made friends with Galadriel. He's uh, he's
0: Olfang is, is, is only up and up, but, yes. um, but the right, the God emperor of Brie, this is all part. Cause he knows basically his army is going to be expanding. He's, he's imagining expanding his kingdom across the mountains. Yes.
2: Right. So this is a, uh... He obviously has a very large group of people he's in charge of because if he's sending that size of an army, he's he's got Huge. a big group. Yeah. So Huge. it is maybe a living space situation of we've built out the land that is not the scary forest here. Right. And therefore, we hear you have some beautiful lands to the <laughs> west that are available or and will be soon.
0: <laughs> he's going to be blown away by the Elvish technology that he sees, you know, the Mm -hmm. armor, the weapons that Galadriel has. I mean, like it it basically. So he's going to say, like, all we have to do is pretend to be allies to these elves. We can turn on them, route them, and then all their land and all their stuff is ours. And I shall become, you know, yeah. He has
1: no idea what he's dealing with.
0: No. So he's like, he's, he, with Melkor, no clue. No clue. Because of we course, don't use
1: that name anymore.
0: No, I know. But it's been it's been no it, it, I mean Morgoth has it's been since the eclipse almost. I mean Morgoth hasn't been he out. He
1: might think and Sauron might be perfectly happy to allow him to think that Morgoth is a mythological figure that doesn't really exist. Yes. Those people who are the elves' enemies over there on the other side of the mountains, they they still worship this ancient God that our ancestors once worshiped, but he's not real.
0: The orcs are real, but the orcs are just these like savage bestial creatures that live in the North that the elves are for reasons Mm -hmm. best known to themselves, trying to exterminate. Right. So they're, they're Mm -hmm. fighting a real battle and they're like, they're, you know, I mean, you can even tell them about the dragon. Like there's a dragon, like that's real too. Um, So there's an actual war that they're fighting. They're these creatures that they, and they, and they're seeking allies. Against them. Um, But yeah, don't really believe in... Oh, and what a beautiful um, symmetry, right? Like... Between Sauron coming into Numenor and saying, ah, you should worship Morgoth, right, the real true god of the world, and hear him being like, actually, Morgoth doesn't really exist. Like, it's its all, it, he's hes hes just a mythical figure.
1: He's a statue that we speak through on occasion.
0: <laughs> right. He's like, yeah, we've totally hoodwinked these. There is no Morgoth. Really shows the flexibility of Sauron's strategies, right, in uh, uh, in doing this. I kind of love that, actually. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Um, and then, yes, but then Morgoth turns out to be real and things don't go uh, for um, uh, the Emperor of Bree as he plans. So this means that Sauron's strategy is both to corrupt the Emperor and then be assigned by the Emperor to accompany mm-hmm. the army. And Olfang isn't necessarily into him, but Olf- but Oldor... He- yeah, he- he like he a- does yeah,
1: oh, olfang all may not be aware. Like, as far as he's concerned, this is just another dude.
0: Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. We, but hang uh, on a second.
4: Go ahead. We also should we also do the the thing where maybe the God Emperor wants to get rid of all yeah, yeah,
0: he could be a rival. Especially if he's, like, the greatest – yeah, he's a really noble dude and he's a great, great general and all of his people love him. All, like, the armies are all loyal to him, which is, like, a really dangerous thing for an emperor, right? Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So, like
1: – Just ask ask Brutus.
0: Yeah. There there are many examples of that kind of thing, right? Um, so um, – So I mean, the general idea
2: is that there's a political reason to do yes. everything that – yeah. The, the Easterlings are doing and both Galadriel and Sauron are trying to turn it to work for them.
0: Yes. right. Yes.
2: Okay. yeah. Okay. And
1: Galadriel, like Sauron's 100% aware of Galadriel's presence. She comes in all glowy and Galadriel-y and yeah, she makes a big impression. He's, he is really under the table and, and behind the scenes manipulating things and we could even not have the viewers aware that he's there.
2: I was going to say, at some point, we need to discuss what the audience knows at what point. Because, yeah, no. I mean, we obviously had to talk about what he's saying to the king to make any of this happen. But is the audience privy to any of these conversations with God Emperor of Brie? We and- could... We Does the audience it... know that it's Sauron? Yeah. Or so, did you cast a different actor so it's some random dude who was we... Sauron all along at the end? Yeah. That feels a little. Well, there's, <laughs> there's a few
1: things. One, the Sauron all along dude should wear, like, his costume should cover his neck the entire time. Because <laughs> so, no, this isn't ridiculous, I swear. Because Huon, is also a Maya spirit, so he's able to damage Sauron at the metaphysical level.
0: Well, look if the, if Sauron still has nine fingers on uh, on his you know on his hands, then yeah, he can sustain enduring wounds.
2: Right? Yeah. Well, that was after yeah, Numenor, and but, he can still do the fair form thing. Yeah, so- but this
1: is pretty recent. Like, this is it right is,
2: after. It, I, I, if we want to do the thing where he has a wound that hasn't healed yet, that's fine. I'm just putting out that there's a significant difference there. between the Huon fight and, and the, 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 the...
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I, yeah, it's, situation. True. it's true. Um just saying there's precedent for maiming Sauron. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah but, 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 but there I agree. Was it's a, different.
2: There was an important step in Sauron's like, totally, life totally, and being totally, yeah. in between those two things. The Absolutely. drowning of Numenor yep. totally messed up a, his body.
4: Yeah. There'll be a, a scene later in the season where he undoes his collar, and then we
0: see the wound on his neck, and we go... Oh, Right. Or yes, attentive people put together like who's the dude with the bites right. on his throat. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: Well that's what I meant by is it gonna be a surprise? Are we right. gonna use the same actor who's been Sauron the whole no, time? So everyone's I, I like, don't oh think... it's Sauron.
1: Yeah, because I feel like that's gonna make it obvious. Now what we can do is see some of the backroom dealings between the God Emperor Bree and the and, and Uldor.
0: Yeah. That I we think... could
1: show. It could right. seem like a purely political game that's being played there.
0: It would be worse and worse if we do the whole thing essentially from Galadriel's point of view and she thinks she's got a finger on the pulse the whole time and doesn't mm-hmm. realize that Saruman was ever there. Um okay. so this is
4: really just a much better version of what they tried to do in Rings of Power.
2: <laughs> well I was say, we seem to have taken certain elements of their story, that's for sure.
0: Well <laughs> <laughs> like on the one hand like Honestly, the elements that we're taking are kind of
2: superficial. Like the the story (laughs) itself is
0: totally different. Oh, I know.
2: I think our story is going to be fun. Um, And I really don't care about the reveal of Sauron to the audience. That doesn't seem like the interesting part of this. No. Um, But I do care if we are trying to hide it.
4: This is a, this, by the way, this has like kind of a nice, uh, kind of some nice parallels with our uh, Harad frame story.
3: Yes. Yes. Yeah. It
4: does. I
2: mean, that's what we're really leaning into here.
0: Yes, exactly. So let's get into Sauron's view. So we'll, we'll come back to the viewers in a, in a minute. Mm-hmm. But getting into Sauron's head here, right? On the one hand, he is being... Is he a little once bitten, twice shy on the elf, powerful elf maiden coming in? For, I mean, is, is he like a little wary of goadriel because he's just had a bad experience <laughs> no it's,
1: it's not that it's a pol- it's purely political um it, i mean he might but the, more importantly he wants to get this army into balerion under the under the like right under the noses of the right. elf lords in, in a position of trust
0: Mm-hmm. Because do the most he's damage. doing the Sauron thing and being clever and devious instead of doing the Gothmog thing and hitting it with a wielding hammer.
2: an army like a blunt force weapon. Right. Yep. So, so yeah, it's it's in his best interest to lay low.
1: The- so he, we could have our cake and eat it too. I don't know if we want to do this. He could be there as himself as well. And we just never see him and Oldor's friend in the same room at the same time. (laughs) Right. right? Well, And he, and, and he, and because it's a, it's, it's neutral territory, Galadriel and Sauron can't immediately just go at it. And he makes it appear as though he's trying to convince the God Emperor not to go along with this plan at all.
2: Right. So she thinks she's, Beaten him, beaten
1: him when, in when fact... she
2: gets the army, <clears throat> right? And it was Sauron's plan all along. Uh, I mean, the advantage there is that we get to see that Sauron is involved, and we understand that it's his story before we get to the very end in the reveal,
1: yeah. right?
2: Um, the disadvantage is that we have to have two characters be Sauron at once, which is well. Little... And
0: but the other thing, so I, I want to be, I want to think more carefully about the continuity with the Sauron we showed in the first half of season six. Yeah, like
2: you said, is he afraid of people and what is he trying to accomplish here? Because remember,
0: he took a step in season six and his step was like, dude, I'm the Dark Lord right here. Like yeah. I'm, 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 but yeah, I'm still clever. I'm still devious, but I'm gonna start ruling like a king here. I'm gonna assert my own will. I'm gonna set up on my own and be the big bad. Like he, was, that's the step he was taking, um, yeah, with his necromancy and, and with uh, with Toland until Luthien and Hulanka. so and and again, uh, like so he meets Galadriel. The two of them are the only Balariandic representatives in all of Aradhor, right? Why doesn't he just throw down with her? He took out her brother. He could take out her, probably. Yeah. Right. maybe right. I mean, maybe not. But again, like, why wouldn't he go there? Um, why wouldn't he continue? And again, and yeah. the answer is trauma. Right. That didn't pan out. He lost during Gwethel. He lost the. He, you know, his pot of evil got destroyed. Um. He had f- stupid fang marks in his throat, and he it now like you know gets the trembling knees whenever he sees a powerful elf maiden right like he he's like okay maybe i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to walk it back a few steps and okay let's go back so, to
2: subterfuge So yeah so he didn't the dark lord thing didn't pan out for him this time so he's not doing dark yeah. lord right now Yeah However he was pretty enamored of the necromancy thing. Yeah. There's no reason for him to give it up. Nope. And this is a culture that is into barrow building. And we've mm-hmm. got a
0: great experimental mm-hmm. ground of places where we need dark spirits coming into barrows sooner I was ab- or later. About
2: to say, so this might be a time for him to start barrow whiting. We could do a little pre-gaming on the barrow whiting. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's choose a little barrow white laboratory, you know, off on mm-hmm. the side.
2: Yeah. Right. So if he's. If he's there for that, and then Galadriel shows up to do the army thing, and he's like, "Oh well, I can totally mess this up." Well, like if if,
1: if this his, could be really awesome,
2: he's like, "I know how to, I know how to completely take the wind out of her sails." Like if he just sees what she's doing and is like, "Oh yeah, I totally cut that off at the knees and back to Barrow Whites." Like if it's not even his main plan and he just totally destroys her thing and ruins the Nirnith.
1: That's like a footnote in what he's really after.
2: That might fit what he's up to right now. Yeah, the hard because... thing So I definitely lean, I'm
0: definitely in the camp that says he is continuing to move further away from Morgoth, not closer. Like, right. Garroth was the first step, <clears throat> where he was like, okay, I'm fed up with I'm these I'm the Polots. Dark Lord, yeah. Right, I'm the Dark Lord now. Mm-hmm. Um, And I don't think that after his defeat he's like chastened and like well maybe i'll be a team player now right Mm -hmm. so
1: i think this is still part of his plan like he is inserting people who are more loyal to him than they are to morgoth right into morgoth's army he can have a plan to get rid of the balrogs a little later that's coming up right um
4: but it's also a good hedge because if it ends up benefiting morgoth then he's
0: what exactly what is the think of the range of outcomes of the near Ninth from Sauron's perspective right mm-hmm. optimum outcome they all destroy each other yes right mm-hmm. like that field littered with the dead on both sides all the orcs die all the elves die Morgoth is weak uh
2: necromancy for all necromancy for all, right. all the the just bodies.
3: come in like,
1: with my zombie army yeah
0: just... I mean it's a
2: win-win situation I like, guess optimal
0: yeah. right mm-hmm. um the second best case is the elves get stomped and Morgoth wins, in which mm-hmm. case he's got to be thinking, right? I mean, especially having explored, um, you know, the the uh, the the land of, you know, the area. Look, I mean, it's a wide world here, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like this yeah. is a big map, and yeah. Morgoth is stuck in the top left corner and doesn't even leave anymore, right? Yep. So fine, let Morgoth stay in his volcanoes, right? Let Glaurung rule Beleriand, who cares? Sauron's got the whole rest of the continent, right? He's got the whole rest of the great lands to himself, right? Mm -hmm. So again, second best scenario is he helps Morgoth win the war. He doesn't need kudos from Morgoth. He's not trying to suck up, right? He's just saying like, okay, so then whatever. They'll stay over there, I'll do my thing over here. And if it does eventually come down to Sauron versus Morgoth, well, he's gonna I already have an army there. Way bigger armies than Morgoth, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. Not that he's actively thinking about conflict with Morgoth at this point, but again, he's, he's now totally feathering his you own just and I wonder how I could combine these people with in orcs. Case you need it. There are lots of yeah. experiments to be done.
2: right you know just just start getting your options in order there and he has kind of written humans off to this point yeah like he was involved with the whole omlock situation yeah he obviously has met baron and had the dorthonian stuff under control so it's not that he's had nothing to do with humans yeah but in general he. but there's
1: some interesting stuff about them that we need to kind of watch now yep.
2: right so he's developing an interest in humans and studying Ariador might be a good way for him to develop that
0: his necromancy was totally elf necromancy he could be experimenting in human-based necromancy which he didn't yeah.
2: do before right so that may be more of a zombie situation and less of a ghost situation
1: yeah yeah, like, how do I keep the bodies animated after the Fea has left? Because I can't control the Fea. The Fea is gone. Fea is I, gone. I might I might have a few seconds with it before it takes off. Yeah, exactly. Um, at, at best. Yeah yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is this is a proto... Because like he eventually does learn how to bind the body well. and the Fea. Well, nearly indefinitely. As long as you don't
2: die, sure. Um, that's the whole ring-wraith situation.
1: Yeah, yeah, but when you're virtually unkillable.
2: Right.
0: right. So you've got his early experiments in elf-based necromancy. Um, mm-hmm. So, like the alpha ring of power, that was the pot of evil, right? Yes. And then you combine that with later experimentations of human necromancy, which are mostly like zombie esque. Keeping then the
1: like, keeping the the hero alive. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yes. Now we bring those two things together, rings of power, and we can stretch them like uh, you know uh, almost indefinitely. Small amount of butter over a massive quantity of bread, and uh, and now. We've got now we're in business, right? Right. Um, right. So, so the wraithification process is his like
2: next project. Yeah,
0: the final the final steps there.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So that that seems to fit his interests and be developing him in a direction that makes sense for him. And he's patient. Maybe yeah. he's mm-hmm. doing that.
0: So, so I, I kind of like the idea of he. He goes to the Barrow Downs because he's like, hey, look, you know, I mean, he's flying over, right? Dripping blood. And Mm -hmm. he's like, oh, look, a big, huge, prominent Barrow ground on top of the hills. Right. I mean, he'd see that from the sky as he was flying over. And so he's like, oh, OK, let me let's do some uh, this. Let's 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 I'll 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 set up a mobile lab right in the uh, in the Barrow Downs and do some experimenting. And then Galadriel shows up at the town literally down the hill from him right in the human city and so so there's this you know Sauron kind of peeking over the edge of the hills being like oh, what's going on down there right oh there's a uh there's a, there's, there's a plot by wouldn't you know it there's a plot but there, there's a there, there's a old or elf maiden down here who's well okay elf woman in any case uh down in uh, uh down in brie and uh and I'm gonna I'm gonna thwart this and this could then lead him to that's whats springboards him on the whole military thing and I'm going to corrupt the Emperor and yep um, yep yeah, yeah. okay okay um
4: this also helps this helps get rid of Galadriel right because right. he doesn't want he doesn't want her around because his experience is when he has elf women around they tend to screw up his it's not necromancy.
0: Good. It does not go well. And especially yeah. since she's Even if she, he's
4: not afraid of her like for his own personal safety, he just knows like this is not going to this is I can't do my work in peace with right. this person here.
0: Right. I mean his so Sauron's first thought as he's flying over Ariador, right, coming from from Bale- from Beleriand is look at this place. This place actually is kind of awesome, right? This is my n- new you know, playground now, and nobody else is over here. And then Gwajra. Mm-hmm. So when Gwajra shows up, she's a threat, right? And she's the only one of the Noldor who's doing this expansionism thing into his what he thinks is his new terrain, right? Mm-hmm. He hasn't started to conquer it yet, because again, not going full Dark Lord yet. He's going to do his experimentation first and try to build back up to that, right? Um, so he he's super patient. He doesn't. His first move isn't to move on the Emperor when he comes into town, right? But nevertheless, he's kind of, in his own mind, staked out Arnor, you know, all of Eriador, right? As, like, this is this is me, whatever. I'm not going to worry about what's west of the mountains now. Morgoth and the Noldor can fight that out until they all die, right? I'm going to live over here, but that, oh, crap. Now Galadriel's here. So now the Noldor are going to be interfering over here, too. I got to nip that in the bud right away, right?
1: Yeah. And while I'm at it, I can also... I can also get an army in under Mithros's nose, get that yeah. same army in under Morgoth's nose.
0: I could just lob a big old hand grenade over the mountains yeah. and hope it blows up as many people as possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah. It would be a totally yeah. opportunistic thing uh, from Sauron's yeah. perspective. Yes, yeah, this...
2: that, that, that works out.
0: This presents us the opportunity to do, Nick, something like you were describing without being too crazy about it. That yeah. is the, the two Sauron... Things. So we have Sauron. We see Sauron doing these things, but then when he goes into town and works with the Emperor, and we, he changes his form, and we don't know his form, and we don't... So that the fact that Sauron is in the neighborhood, the yes. fact that Sauron sees Galadriel arrive and says, well, crap, there goes the neighborhood, right, is, um, like, that That we pretty much show. But then he vanishes, and we don't know what comes of Sauron until the reveal at the end, right? Um, And I don't even know that he has to be around. Like, I don't even think it has to be, like, a character that you have come to know and like is revealed to be Sauron at the end. I don't think that has to be true. Um, I just think we have to see that, like... The reveal could even be like in a conversation like that everyone's dying at the near night and we cut back to Bree and we have Sauron having tea with the God Emperor of Bree discussing, you know, the whole things and the outcomes and how this is working out exactly as Sauron planned all along. Right. And as he had been working behind the scenes to orchestrate, you know what I mean? Like we don't even need the Sauron in disguise
2: character to be a, a character. Exactly.
3: Mm.
0: See what I mean? Yeah.
2: Well, we're going to need a motivation for Aldor because if we've shown why Allfang agreed with Galadriel and was such an honorable, noble guy and took his giant army into the West, right? after he dies and his son does an about-face on that, why? And right. I, I I realize that the tea with the Emperor scene at the end would be like, oh, it was Sarna all along. But what yeah. does aldor get so, out of that so we need to show aldor's progression we need progression. to set
1: that up yeah. earlier yeah mm-hmm. yeah okay so yeah. all that needs to be set up is at the beginning the god emperor feels like he can't he can't stop ulfang from doing this mm-hmm. right but he needs, so it's, it's one of the things like, okay, ostensibly, he's like, oh, fine, take your army, go out there, and probably, maybe, if I'm lucky, you get killed. If I'm unlucky, you survive, and I figure out some other way to deal with you, but you're not right here now. Um,
0: that's part of the deal with the Emperor. <clears throat> right, right. Sauron says, look, <clears throat> don't worry about, I'm going to take care of your Ofang problem. One way or the other, right? Because the Emperor's going to be like, okay, look, this could backfire horribly if Ulfang takes the army and establishes this new kingdom. He, I could then be raising up an even stronger rival, you know. Over right. there. Like if he wins, then <clears throat> that'd be horrible. And Saron's like, it's okay, I got you. I'll just, I'll just off him if it comes to that. Like I can just kill right. him anytime I want to, right? Um, well, and also, it... don't worry, they're going to get they're going to get plastered over there. Like it'll be fine.
1: Yeah. So, but Uldor we we could have, I mean, here's the thing, like, Olfang just dies, yeah, in the book, correct? Yeah, maybe he didn't. Right.
2: If we're gonna have a plot where Aldor kills his father, that's good. I mean, he needs a motivation. It needs to be something very personal.
1: Right. Right. And
0: I don't want to rule out the fact that also he's just a jerk. Like, that is, he doesn't have to be a great and noble son of the great and noble man
2: who is corrupted by Sauron. He no, can no, also no. I mean, Eldor just have been a jerk, jerk all along, sure. But you don't just, like, up and kill your own dad for no reason. No, but it depends on how we construct
0: the political climate of the Empire of Bree.
2: It's true, and... Actually, people have committed murder for all kinds of terribly and, and stupid Eldor reasons. And Oldor is the younger I, son, I said right? that as if you had to have a reason to commit murder. <laughs> I'm well, Old <sorry>. no, <laughs> I mean, Oldor well, is not the younger that.
1: son, right? He's not necessarily the heir apparent oh, in no. whatever, well, whatever... –
0: Olfang oh, isn't oh, the heir apparent, but Oldor would be the heir apparent of Olfang.
1: That's what I mean. Yeah. It, 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 oh, he is. He could He's be. He's the oldest son. Yeah. He is the oldest son. In in the three
0: names, his name comes first. But, I mean, again, like, how many times did the emperor of Assyria get killed by his son who was sick of waiting to be emperor? Like, that's a thing that happens all the time,
3: right? Sure, sure, sure.
1: Right. And all that we need to have is a situation where Oldor believes that it is better to side against the elves rather than for them now right. the question is and and as soon as that happens it's like okay i can kill two birds with one stone stone here i can get control of the army and make a name for myself in well, one
0: oldor's corruption could have nothing to do with sauron when they get over there right when they get over there olfang's army mm mm-hmm. remember they went over there on the premise that morgoth was a, was not real, right? Mm -hmm. That they're just the elves are fighting a war against the gibbering hordes of bestial orcs, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe some monsters that live in these northern hills for some reason. Um, Which is believable. Um, What if Oldor just simply feels which direction the wind is blowing and says, you know what? Um, My father is leading us to destruction I'm gonna take him down because I'm I'm again I'm I'm also a jerk and I'm also impatient to rule um, and I think that my dad's a bit of a moron um, and I have less respect for my father than everybody else around me uh, and I think I'm and I'm resentful because I think I can do a good job so I have that baseline right and then I look at him and I say you know what no the the advantageous thing to do here is to switch sides.
2: The elves, if
0: we side with the elves, they're gonna, we're gonna be like the peon, uh, you know, uh, vassals of these elf lords who are like, and and he's gonna look at them, he's like, we can't do anything with these people, right? Like, if they win, what are we gonna do? What what are we gonna like? The Fanorians can do with us whatever they want to, and remember, he's met Caranthir, right? So he's like, look, this is. That the the future for us, if these elves win, is bad, right? This is going to be horrible over here. At least not meeting my own personal Aldorian uh, uh, self-aggrandizing views of right of how it should be. Whereas mm-hmm. if we make them lose, then all say so doesn't even have to believe in Morgoth. Yeah. If he, yeah. Hang on. Okay.
1: okay. What if Olfang is? agnostic in regards to melkor's existence okay but what if the actual ruling class the non-military ruling class is of at least descended from the religious orders of the old melkor worshiping civilization yeah and the god emperor is not in fact a god emperor but the priest emperor ah, right and right before they're ready to leave he, you know, he's, he approaches Aldor with kind of like a you know like you an ambitious young man like yourself could certainly make a, a name for yourself out there but your father th- thinks that he's going to fight you know a, a headless group of monsters right but we all know that's not really true
0: yeah that that's the big problem is that it's hard to see how the morgoth doesn't really exist um line would work if a deep part of their culture was morgoth worship still
3: that's but fair. i
2: don't i don't think but it needs not... to be any more than any of the other groups that have crossed the mountains to this point because right. again we're far from hildorian now Yes. So these yeah. groups who have moved here are we just as motivated to get away from that as all the other groups we've met. And
0: right, the Morgoth we worshippers are still living in the east. Okay. Right, apparently. and it's we haven't
2: out. shown any of the Edain having that attitude towards Morgoth. Right. The only one who had a and does he even exist? Attitude was fake omlock fake right om-lock. yeah that right was, and that was sarah yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like real yeah. omlock was like i've now got a bone to pick with this guy in the north who totally does exist yeah. <laughs> right
1: okay well let, then let me cut the come at this another way what if this guy the 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 god emperor reveals like evidence that they've been keeping under wraps this whole time like like um you know documents or artwork or so- something they be like no this was a real thing like we don't do this anymore because nobody's heard of him until just now when this lady came across the the mountains but this was a real thing
0: i so
1: I'm trying to get it some kind of motivation for, for the turn itself. Again, Not like, just the kid. Because then why doesn't he? the kid just kill him and take the take the army and fight against Morgoth? You know, like how do we get.
0: Because how do we get the ch- he doesn't the ch- want. Because when he gets over there and he sees the Noldor and the army of like the Noldor, the he's like, I don't want those guys to win because yeah. we have no prayer against an army of Fanarians. Like, there is right. no way.
2: If we, there has to be a mixed motivation as to what that army was going to accomplish. Because if Galadriel delivers this giant army, that's a big deal. But if mm-hmm. you have a giant army, you can point it anywhere. And the person in charge of the army gets to determine how this goes. And so, All Fang's idea could have been and we find new lands in the West for our people, and we expand the empire and like new kingdoms essentially, like satellite kingdoms, whereas uh, Aldor can be looking at that and going, these elves aren't going to let us rule anything. We'd Mm. be vassals over here. We'd be very much secondary, second tier. exactly. And we're not going to be in charge or respected or any of that. And he can be rejecting strongly that relationship with the elves.
0: And it would hurt his pride, too. Yeah. like so, the
2: emperor because the, Bri- the the Easterlings are mad that they get Dor Loman. Yes, uh, the the mm-hmm. House They're of Hador was thrilled that they got Loman. Yes, it's the yep. same land, right? So, what makes that such a bad reward for the people who joined Margoth and betrayed the elves? It's because they wanted all of Galeria. They wanted all of Beleriad. Well, yeah. he, or at least thing. something more than Doraloman. And they were he,
0: clearly not going to be able to get anything like that. They wouldn't even got Loman. I mean, they would have right. gotten Lothlan, right? Which mm-hmm. blows. Yeah, he, that's horrible.
3: <laughs> well, the
1: the, pro, the problem with this is that now Sauron might as well not even be there, though, because now he's not. He's not the reason why this happens.
0: But see, I like. So he is the reason why the army goes. Like he is still undermining Galadriel, but he doesn't have to create the he does, uh, the again, Well no, he's
1: not undermining Galadriel because it, Galadriel gets the army to go.
4: What if Sauron And was, how's that work out for her? Couldn't, couldn't Sauron but Yeah, plan- but she
1: but if Sauron doesn't know that that's going to happen then he didn't he does then he Could How? He,
0: couldn't he He, plan- kn- he knows these people. He-
4: couldn't he plant the idea that like, you know, eh, you can't really
0: trust these elves. Right. He could through the emperor. So okay, so
1: right. This is what I'm getting at. This is what I what we what yeah. I want to You've got the emperor.
0: Out. You've got Olfang who is his quasi rival or would be his rival if Olfang weren't such a stand-up guy. Right. Right. Um and then you've got Aldor, his embittered son who is resentful of his father and thinks that he would be better. Um, What Sauron brokers. So Sauron is behind the approval of the army in the first place. Like basically the way in which Sauron outwits Galadriel is simply in, like she thinks that bringing the army is a good idea that she is delivering staunch allies. And he has a whole plan. Like he knows this is not going to work out. Um, he just, so first of all, he just reads them better than she does for one thing. So like she okay. fails and he succeeds. Um, but how he succeeds, wh- again, why does the emperor say yes to sending Olfeng? And he wants to get rid of Ofeng, but there are other ways. Have him killed. You're the god emperor. You can do this theoretically. Yeah. Now it's dangerous because the army is loyal to him and that creates problems. But if he is basically the emperor that is, is essentially conspiring with Odor before they leave. Mm-hmm. Under Sauron's guidance, right. right. So that Aldor, when Aldor gets on his horse to ride out of Bree with his dad's army, Aldor is already thinking, "I'm gonna, I'm. Th- the day is gonna come sooner or later when I do a coup and right. and take over <sighs> my father. Right? Like I'm totally doing mm-hmm. that, and that and that's what the Emperor wants him to do. The Emperor is like, okay, the plan is. Your father's going to take this army because they won't follow anybody but your father on a crazy expedition like this. But they'll follow your dad, right? So that there, he's going to take the army and he's going to take them over the mountains. When they get over there, you're going to off him and then you're going to take over because the, they're already going to be there and now they're, they're going to be engaged, right? Mm. You're going to – we don't want anything to do – this is the Sauron influence, right? We don't want to serve these elves. He's going to come and be like, Morgoth doesn't really exist and the elves are horrible right? Um, they're going to make you into slaves, right? That's, that's the elf plan. Um, so appear to go along with Galadriel and Olfang is genuinely going along. Right. Um, but old or pretend to go along emperor pretend to go along. And, um, but then when you get over there, betray the elves. So he can, someone I mean, can still plant the seed, but he doesn't, it doesn't have to be like a process of corruption. Like this, right. is, this okay. is the old or strategy from the beginning, this is Oldor's big opportunity. And he thinks what's going to happen is they're going to go over there. They're going to squash. They're going to, the elves are going to squash the orcs. They're going to squash the elves at the critical moment. Right. So at the end, it's going to be only the army of old or left standing on the field, um, mm-hmm. with the Borean chariot driving our, our uh, auxiliaries.
1: And, uh, and of course, Bore and Olfeng are best buds,
0: best buds. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Best buds. And now all of Beleriand is ours. Like that's the plan. And then to the emperor, he's like, and now I've gotten rid of Olafang, and now we've got like I've got a, client, a satellite
1: kingdom, yeah,
0: right. A, a client emperor on the other side of the mountains, and um, you know this is all, this is all, this is all excellent, right? And this also, of course, Maria, as you say, explains why being shunted into Dorloman is not victory. Is a slap in the face. Yeah, like yeah. we,
1: bought, we got you this,
0: but because he not only. It. Is it a slap in the face for the people of Uldur, um, who thought they were going to rule Bolarian? but even for the emperor? Because they're cut off from the emperor of Bree yeah. now, right? He has no client kingdom. They're just in that in the remote, far northwestern corner of Balarian. A Balerian. client
1: kingdom of an actual god emperor.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. So, yes. So,
1: okay. So the question to me is how much of that stuff... Are we showing alongside the alongside everything else?
2: I think we definitely need to show Aldor meeting with the emperor privately, yeah, without his dad there yeah.
3: before yes. the army's
2: leave. Yes. How much of that meeting we see at the time we could you know
0: there can cut. also be we can some split like hairs on Imperial loyalists that he makes sure to send along with the army
2: because again, yes. th- there's
0: that sense of the division within the people of of Ulfang, right? Some yeah. stay and some don't. So those who are diehard loyalists to Ulfang himself are not going to just side with Oldor. Yes, But that means yeah. there has to be a core of people of leaders of the army who were imperial plants all along designed to follow Uldor as soon as he, they're in it, right? right? They're in the coup So.
1: Plans. So, and these guys are probably like top members of uh, of the God Emperor's like personal guard, his like Praetorian guard.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Like those are the guys yep. you want because c- clearly, like they're already handpicked. Yep. For never, ever, ever going to murder me in my bathroom.
0: Yeah. And they, and and this is part of how the Emperor bribes Uldor and part of how. <laughs> he secures that right is that they're they they know their job and their job is to a help old or overthrow olfang at the appropriate moment and then b help to bring the rest of the army yeah, behind they Uldor.
1: they straight up take so when old announces the death of his father to the army and there's and there's an uproar these guys straight up come out of the woodwork and like murder the, the, the olfang's core commanders yep, yep. and take their spots. Yep. And here's the thing, like, Ulfang, he's an honorable stand-up guy, but he's he, he might be a ruthless guy. Potentially. Like, he's, you know, he's not, this guy is not like the Elf Friends.
0: Right.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Um, and so, He's still
0: from that culture, right? I mean, yes. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> yes. Yeah. Um, but he's not, he, he's not like Hador. And right. he's he's certainly not like Bayor, right? Um right. And he's probably... the great
0: counter example there. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. Um,
0: because remember, we've got Hurin as our main character this season, so Hurin is and Hurin
1: is kind of the Pador. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Olfang will be kind of like Hurin, but not quite like Hurin. And so actually, yeah, it'll be really interesting to play.
2: Um, Hurin yeah Yeah. so allfang Ol- oh. and her as different versions of what hador was yeah and then um boar and his group will be more like Halleth. yep mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. um that leaves the house of baor would be the druidon right
1: mm-hmm. right yeah. mm-hmm. but the um and all oh you know like if if Olfeng, like he meets Hurin and he's like oh man this guy I like this guy. (laughs) I kind of wish this guy was my son.
0: Um, (laughs) (laughs) That'll go over over a treat with Oldor. Right, right,
1: exactly. Um, But so, okay, so right before they leave, so the only hint that this is about to go badly is that right before they leave, God Emperor calls Oldor into his office and says, hey, I want you to meet my Praetorian guard.
0: Who are coming with you.
1: I am going to give you command of them, yes for for the trip they are they are super loyal. they have yeah. never they have never once turned against me. yep, yep.
0: you know because see um, this is this is the, the yes the the reason I have been inclining against the idea of old or getting corrupted by Sauron is that the whole, like, him and a thousand other people would have to be corrupted by Sauron. Right. Yes,
1: that's way. fair enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um
2: Whereas this motivation that we're giving him is a fairly human motivation. Like, we could pull examples out of history of this kind of thing happening. Exactly. He could, and yeah, you don't need a Sauron character well, to make that.
0: What you do is you have a Sauron character who is taking advantage of, like, yeah. the he, human you know, nature. Again, the exact. So, he, so reads he, gets, it, he reads the room better than goad right. right.
1: So in mm-hmm. the scene where he's having where they're having tea together in the it, it, you know af, in the Denimoth episode thirteen yeah is is when it's revealed that oh that was a really good idea of yours to you know to send yeah. my guard hey, along with thanks yep.
0: experimental necromancer dude from the hills Weird that was guy.
2: a great idea yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes <laughs> yes yeah. so we see that. Sauron did undermine Galadriel, but really indirectly. Yes. Which means which is, her plan um, was fundamentally flawed from the beginning, yeah, which right. means it was her fault. Which is that's the other thing. The conclusion she's going to draw. Right. 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 Like it's not going to be like, up.
0: I almost got it right, but I was thwarted by Sauron in the end, and therefore I hate him. It's going to be, all right. Screw that! I'm not doing that anymore. We got to go yeah. in a different direction.
2: This diplomacy stuff. Doesn't this diplomacy work. diplomacy yeah. is horrible. What a waste of
0: time, right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yes. If you yes. want an army done right, you got to build it yourself. Exactly.
0: Exactly. <laughs>
2: Saran is like yes, yeah, necromancy. <laughs> exactly. Yes. I mean,
1: I would. I would be kind of interested to see because we haven't really, we haven't seen like even a close to combat Galadriel since the kinslaying. It would be kind of interesting to see her reacting to what's happening, you know. Yes. And like, it would be it would be really cool to see her take out a bunch of dudes. I'm well, here to tell you, especially she's if gonna one march of them is named Old she?
0: She's surely gonna march with Olfang to broker their entrance into Beleriand, yeah. and and, and yep. um, have tense moments with Kranthir and, uh, and 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 so, But right, but I mean, she's so she she's gonna be. With the army. I mean, I, that Galadriel's going to be at the near knife, I think, has to happen, doesn't it? I mean, that has to happen.
2: She can't do this and be like, all right, well, I'll give you army. Peace right. out, <laughs> y'all.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I'm going to go do things now. Yeah, I mean, she's going to... So I think she's going she to be interested in the army.
4: Is she there when it all falls apart?
0: Yeah, but we've got to be... We've so That means we have to factor that into the old aura strategizing because yeah. if he's got, you know, the elf lady... Issue can't
2: can't to... be can't be
4: standing right next to him when he
0: does. It. Right, exactly. What well, she, she more if importantly she can't survive. be standing right next to Olfang when Old or tries to take him out. Right? Right, right, yeah.
2: Um, I think that that being a human internal politics situation is fine. Um, she doesn't need to be like hands on hands on. I d- do think though that if we're gonna kill Fingon and injure every single Feanorian in this battle. And if um, Maglor is going to personally kill Aldor, then we've got to have Galadriel involved in Faenorian politics as well. Yes. Mm. And I can't imagine that's going to go very well. Uh, and also, I'm, if I'm Celeborn not... is doing the Duriath diplomacy thing and she shows up, she could like totally sabotage his project too. Right. <laughs> I got to think... Uh, why is she
0: not at Olfang's side when Aldor turns? Because yeah. she's with Mithros trying to, yeah.
2: like, you yep. know, yeah, right. She's um, she's off doing important elf business.
0: Yes.
4: Yep.
1: Also, I mean, how how strongly how strongly attached are we to Maglor killing Aldor? Because I really don't have a problem giving that kill to Galadriel herself.
4: Oh yeah. I... Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, Maglor kills, Maglor kills plenty of people. I'm not really, you know.
2: I mean, this is the exact one person where, that's named that he kills.
1: <laughs> How many named people does Mytheros kill?
2: Exactly. The fact that it's named that Maglor kills Old it's like, yeah, but that is a story or it was meant to be a story. So but that's my question. I'm not sure yes, from the text we have what a the story, story exactly now is with, with Galadriel. So, yeah, I understand making that change. But that means that um, if every single Feanorian gets wounded in this battle, Maglor gets the best kill of everybody. If it's not Aldor, whatever he gets is going to be good.
0: Actually, we can we can I think we can I think we can have our cake and eat it too here with this. Especially if she is embroiled in Feanorian politics, and that's what keeps her away and leaves Olfang vulnerable to Oldor turning. Then she's like. All right, I'm going. I'm going after him. And Magor's like, I'm coming with you, right? Like, if basically he is her support, because he's one of the one of the good Feanorians anyway, right? So if she's been having trouble with Feanorian politics, it's not with Maglor, right? She, no. He's going to be a good one on her side. So that the two of them ride in together, and you know, he ends up being the one doing the killing blow to Uldor seems. I, I think we can preserve that while still having it happen in the context of a
2: furious Galadriel <laughs> riding in also, and approaching him on the battlefield. Two younger brothers who we should also probably kill off in all this.
1: Well, they're yeah. killed. They're killed by ulfang's um, best bud boars.
2: Kids. Kids. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. they are. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, the point. Yeah. The point is, we're going to have some personal reasons for people to yep. <laughs> attack each other yep. at this part of the story. We can work it out, and yes, I understand that if we add Galadriel, we can add a significant kill for her. Yeah, um, But my issue with Maglor is that everyone's always like oh maglar's a musician maglar's a gentle feanorian it's like no yeah Magler kills people and we yeah. need to at least like maintain yeah. that he doesn't like sit in a tower and did you read episode
1: 12 he gets to kill <laughs> plenty of people
2: right but i i want to preserve
0: that in the near <laughs> of
1: okay. season five it's, fine.
0: Should... it's all good no again i i think we can mm-hmm. i think we can do that and mm-hmm. um adola on youtube was just raising a uh a, a quick question about she's a little bit worried about Goadriel's future trajectory that like we seem to be setting her out into another tailspin again and she's pointing out that of course like we need to put her in a constructive place to have children not too long after the first age. so there's a time limit on how long she could be in an emotional tailspin again
2: after this but I'm not worried about that because yeah, I, first of all there's one will be with her it'll
1: be fine. There's also plenty of time. it's
2: five seasons away yeah so i realized that it is a short amount of time from the year 472 when the near ninth is to 526 when we end the first stage yeah it's not that long but it's five seasons yeah so plenty of time to have Gladriel be upset about the near ninth and then get over it yes. <laughs> as far as screen time goes
0: exactly Th- there'll be a lot of time for process and and honestly even like her deciding to do the kingdom building thing, that can still be a trajectory that extends into the second age. But I don't think mm-hmm. that that need be in conflict with her. Yeah, I mean, it's not like yeah. she's like dedicating herself, like and swearing an oath that she will, you know, like wear her armor until she. Yeah, you know, like we're not talking about her going off the deep end like that. Mm-hmm. We're just no, talking no about this informing her future moral choices in possibly unconstructive ways, but it doesn't mean she can't have, especially at the beginning of, the, in the first few centuries of the second age, a long enough period of peace that she yeah. and Celeborn are like, okay. Family I
2: think,
3: time. I
0: yep. think it's time. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, and so, if Calabrian
1: uh, is the only, is their only child, then like, it's not like they can't like get a little bit, more aggressive later, you know, at, after Celebrity is an adult. On. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yep.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay, so
4: uh, who gives uh, Who all fang, if all is the honorable guy now, who gets yep. murdered by son, who gives him the name the black? And, he has black and, hair. And is it Sauron?
0: I also like the Sauron fact that... Sauron later
4: uh, spreads the story that all actually betrayed them. Yeah. Uh, and, and and poisons uh the elves and the uh and the the other the adyne against
0: them well that's one of the other things though is that is the only one who's going to really understand the politics right to Everyone the rest of the elves gonna go. they're just going to be like well this big army really backfired on us like and, and especially if there is a tendency, like a Thingolian tendency um, of, like, bias against humans in many yeah. of the elves, right? It's not going to be a big leap for them to be like, okay, so let's chalk yep. up this new human allies thing as a bad as a bad job from the beginning. All,
4: and, everybody, and everybody who is directly involved, everyone who would actually know better is now dead.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, well, I mean, because, again, like, so, yeah. Old Fang is great, and he might have worked out marvelously, but Galadriel's like she's the only one who knows that because she's the only one who knows him.
4: And even and the way we're setting it up, she doesn't even really know what happened. So if someone comes and says that guy betrayed us, she's going to be like, "Wait, really? Did he? Let me talk to him." Well, he's dead.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, What about his son?
4: All dead. (laughs)
3: Right. Yeah. yeah, Exactly. It's yeah. yeah. She's not going to be
4: in a position to to contravene it. She might as well. She'd probably be like. I guess he, but be- wow, boy, that really blew up my face.
0: <laughs> really? Yes. This did not pan out after but that.
4: All. Yeah. That's to me that I like that. That seems like a very much a Sauron outcome where, where even the one good guy who was involved, uh, he gets murdered and his name gets sullied in the, down the road.
1: Yeah. Sure. He bore the whole time is like that. No, that none of that happened. I promise you. I knew this guy his entire life that never happened ever.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And we show the people of and some of the, you know, the some of the people of Boer can I, I escape and stuff. Um, yeah. Um, so uh, uh, D-Rod Curry is saying, why is he called Ugly Beard, which is the literal translation of Ulfang? Um, it's uh, a
1: trans, it's a transliteration of his actual name in his native tongue.
0: Could be. But also, honestly, this strikes
2: me as a perfectly reasonable name to have.
0: Like, If you at,
2: live in the Dorf Road... I I assure you, your beard is not the most impressive one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. I mean, like, but it's it's like you look in history, like there are a lot of kings with funny names, like called like you know the fat or the bald or whatever, like the unready, <laughs> the unready, right? Exactly. Yeah. there the, the, there's lots of I mean uh, traditions of giving kings and military leaders junk. I mean Caesar, Caesar means bald. Like the bald one like it's like it's it's not it's anyway it's it's like his his family name was Julius um uh like he was from the Julian family, but Caesar means bald I mean like it's so it, it it's like the tradition of having or, or like you know the Roman you know generals who are affectionately called like you know the butcher and anyway like the, it's it's normal like this is this is a thing this is a thing that happens so Maybe old fang actually has an ugly beard. Maybe he has like this weird, scraggly, scraggly. beard. Um, and uh, all of his soldiers, you know, have uh, you know, <laughs> called him old fang, ugly beard. Um, you know, ever since. You know, he was a, a, a you know a lower officer or whatever. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's probably a hilarious story behind this, maybe involving dwarves. Um, you know, that uh, and and lots of beer. Um, you know, from thirty years ago. Anyway, I just it doesn't seem to me like a problem, um, um, and uh, uh, certainly easy enough to draw an amusing backstory. Not that we need to feature that necessarily, but
2: well, well, once to... a. uh, make all things somewhat personable, especially if we are showing him as a loyal guy, but also very ruthless. Yeah. That ruthlessness is going to be what does him in, but we'll want to have some uh, mitigating stories of how he was, you know, a good dad or helped the kitten or, you know, did something. Yeah. I, um... I don't think Olfang's a good dad. Okay. I think he. I was curious. I was curious if we were gonna. There was no. a reason why his sons like.
0: I think his sons. I think. uh His son should... has
1: legitimate grievances. He's an excellent okay.
0: general, but maybe should have spent more time with his kids. Is okay. What I'm thinking. Okay. Yeah. Turns out. Yeah. In yeah.
2: retrospect,
0: yeah. He, might, he might have invested some more family time. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um Okay. Then he definitely needs some story about why all his soldier guys love him so much.
0: Yeah. Yeah. His
1: soldiers. Yeah. Love oh, him they and... should all call him. They should all call him father. Like all of his soldiers call him like, like some word that um, means dad.
0: Like Attila, for instance, which means yeah. daddy. Yes. Yes. huh. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yes. No, it's exactly. That's super of thing. salt in the wound. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yep, yeah, no, that's that. I I think that 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 seems exactly to be the kind of dynamic. And again, it doesn't mean he, it doesn't make him a bad guy. He's just you know invested in his career. <laughs> you know, didn't spend enough time with his kids. Um, yep, yep. Um, <clears throat> excellent. No, I think this is uh, I, this is a this is a fun story. This is a fun story, and now we have, uh, um, you know, like the. The Uber Sultan of Bree. I'm I'm delighted by the Emperor of Bree. Like I think this is, this is excellent stuff. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we even have a future there, if, you know, Second Age, having established the Empire of Bree, which of course Sauron can continue to make inroads in. Right? He's yeah. not he's not set on conquest quite yet. Right? He's 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 got other things to do, but you know, that's not far down the road. Right? Eventually, Mm. Um, we don't even have to do anything. We can just come back to Sauron in two seasons and like, meanwhile, in Bree, now they have statues of Sauron in the middle of the city. Right.
2: And you're like, oh, something happened there.
0: (laughs) Right. Exactly. Like, nothing could be more, more, you know, we go straight from the, the, you know, the tea party at the end of the season to, you know, uh, 50 foot statues of Sauron in the middle of town, um, you know. Uh, in in two seasons, nothing. Well, could, that escalated quickly. <laughs> nothing could be more logical. I'm not saying we have to, but like, we wouldn't even have yeah. to explain it. Like, you know, right? Of course, that yeah. happened. Um, okay, awesome. Well, it is super late. Um, mm-hmm. I thought for sure we were not going to get through anything. Uh, but it turned out we did let's do uh, now but I feel bad because I actually neglected the PowerPoint almost completely so let's uh, let's just scan through to make sure we answered the questions because I think we did um, think we got most of them yeah what are the people up to what role does Sauron play okay yeah we got all that um, right we talked about the different Easterling peoples this is how oh we didn't get talk about the Druidine. okay we've still got to figure out the woeses Um
2: the entry that... completely separate from the entire plot we just discussed.
0: Totally. I think absolutely they do.
2: They're um, the House of Bayor in this. They have their own reason for coming over and has yeah. nothing to do with Galadriel or a war. Yes. And maybe they met an Ent and they were friends, so they followed the Ent. Like, I don't know.
0: Yeah. On, we could have them come in a totally different route. Like, they could come in the south, along the south of the Blue Mountains, like along the coast. And mm-hmm. come up into Osirian, uh, and then up into Balirian into S- from the forests in the south, right? So, like Towerim mm-hmm. Duanath could be druidine territory, basically. Um, okay. Uh, long before,
4: um, so just have a, have like a druidine bottle episode right in the like middle of the season, <laughs> just to like take a break from all the other grim
0: stuff. <laughs> that would be really fun strange, but fun. Um, uh, Yeah, I'm not sure. One of my questions is what we have the Druidine do.
2: Yeah, we need to still answer that, I think. This season.
0: Yeah, like, how are they going to be involved in the story? Um, But, um, yeah, yeah. Um, But, yeah, I think, and also, by the way, you will notice that this also puts the Druidine organically close to the havens of Syrian as well Mm -hmm. so that they could, oh yeah, the Druidine are going to help to um, guide and protect the refugees on the way to the havens of Syrian. Okay. So we'll meet the Druidine. We'll have a big Druidine subplot with the, with Idril and Tuor and Arundel and the refugees of Gondolin coming down. They will be, Like suckered in the wilderness by the druidine, and the folks of Nargothron could too, potentially. Um, though they're coming from the other side, but anyway, yeah, so long term, so they so we would
2: be meeting them possibly at the end of season eight, but not before.
0: Well, at latest by then, I think. Oh, okay, but I'm not sure that we need them this season necessarily because I don't think they're going to be involved in the near night, are they?
2: i wouldn't think so i wouldn't think so either
0: mm-hmm. so i don't know that we need them okay but i think we can put them in south Beleri and
2: if they're in assyrian galadriel could meet them realize they're completely useless and then go across the mountains and find people that are helpful <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I maybe did not word that well, but the point I know, is... I hear that.
0: I'm, I'm not sure I love the optics of Galadriel meeting the Druidine and being like, so, can I form you into a military... Nah, never mind. Forget it. Just like, <laughs> I, I'm going to upgrade,
2: right? You know. Um, uh, and But really, they were the ones she should have been <laughs> right. after all along. Right. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. Um, but that's the only way I can think to connect them to what we just talked about. I think... <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think we wait on them. And I think that they... For now, they're hanging out in the southern forests, minding their own business, and they're not bothered by anything or anybody. As things get worse in Beleriand, post-Near Knife, right? Then they start to come out, both because the orcs are starting to invade and burn the forests and stuff down there, which is why they hate the Gorgun, right? uh, From the beginning. But also, like, they... Building on the foundation only of the faithful stone story, right? There seems to be an impulse, like to help, basically, mm-hmm. you know, for them to to appoint themselves in some sense guardians of the land and to help the, um, like they do with Rohirrim, help the, ally, you know, the the enemies of the Gorgun, right, who are being mm-hmm. who are being oppressed.
2: There's a reason I picked the Ents as the one group that might actually understand what they were up to. Yes. <laughs>
0: Exactly. Um, especially since you've got to think that Treebeard loves it down here,
2: right,
0: mm-hmm. um, in and Duinoth. And, um, and we know, you know, he likes it down.
2: Okay. Yeah. So Treebeard could have a conversation with Galadriel before she crosses the mountains. Yes. And he could talk about the delightful people he's met in the south. Not in a military sense at all. Just he's being treebeard. He met people. They were delightful. Right. Um, And he
0: could tell her that he doesn't think they would be allies in war. Like that's yeah. Not their, well,
2: that's or, not their but thing. she could be saying, "Well, I want to go find some allies in war." He's like, "Oh, I haven't met any people like that." Yeah. And then she's like, "Okay, got to cross the mountains." Right. So that that might be a way of so her not being not like there. completely dismissive, yeah. of an entire group of people. <laughs>
3: exactly.
0: Exactly. Um, now that would seem highly imperialistic of Galadriel, but but again, because I'm th- we know eventually the Druidine are going to come to Hill. But again, I think if they come to Brethil during, like, the general Turin period, right, when, post-Nirnith, when the orcs are invading, some of the Druidine would come to the forest of Brethil and help out. But they, they wouldn't necessarily even be there yet. Because they only come when things start getting worse. So they wouldn't actually do anything. But yeah, we could, um, we could uh, hear about them from Treebeard
2: okay mm.
0: you know if Galadriel, I love the Galadriel conversation with Treebeard idea because she will have known like he's been everywhere like you have wandered widely along these lands we, I've never been in, you know east of the mountains Um, can you help steer me in the direction of like you know what's coming are there more humans coming and he could say like oh yeah there's a bunch of them Right. I was just wandering over with the squirrels on the other, you know, in the squirrel empire on the other side of the uh, on the other side of the mountains. And um, north of the squirrels, there's like uh, tons of humans. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The whole yeah, empire that, of the squirrels is a totally different right.
2: subplot. Right, Treebeard just starts counting things that seem numberless, it's like things that are numberless: the stars in the sky, the trees in this forest, the squirrels in the this squirrels kingdom. in the forest. Uh, uh, yeah, of, <laughs> yeah, of 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 And area the of, humans north of the squirrels. And the humans forest.
0: north of that. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yep. Yep. Uh, exactly. Um, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Uh, that that would that would be that would be a great way both to get Treebeard involved again. Um, so that we can be prepared for Ent involvement um, relating to the Silmaril. Um, But um, anyway, yeah. Um, Okay. Spoiler. That's my answer to the question of how did the Feanorians ambush the dwarves and not end up with the Silmaril? The Ents. Treebeard swipes it and brings it to Luthien. The ants are fighting the dwarves, right? The ants are fighting the dwarves. All we have to have is the ants kill the dwarves who are carrying the Naogomir with the Silmaril in it. And then now you've got Treebeard with a decision to make. Does he he give it to the Feanorians? Does he trust them? No. He's going to give it to Luthien. Why wouldn't he? Easy peasy. But anyway, that's a conversation for a different time. All right. It is indeed. Thank you, everybody. Uh, This was, this was awesome. I love the, the proto history of Ariador that we have uh, uh, developed here. I think this is going to be, this is going to be great fun. Um, And um, we're, we're so close to being ready to uh, plan the season now. I think we have most of the cast of characters, um, uh, sit out there. So, okay, awesome. Um, then our next—I should go back to like what's actually next. Our uh, next is um, Thursday, November second, uh, two weeks from tonight. Again, maintaining our schedule for the whole season so far, um, and we're planning to th- do the frame story. Just concept of the frame, frame story, what we want to happen there. Um, that will be the main focus next time. And then after that, we'll start, we'll start planning. We'll start uh, fleshing out the episode outline uh, um, after that. So, very good. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us. And I will see you guys again soon. And say, as always, thanks for listening and Godspeed.